Blog Talk Radio.
judgment comes upon the law. Time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk old lies of this age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for the lust. Blindly busting, they call you to join them. Fall into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul. For a chance to receive his mark Thank you, Lord, for the days that we have ahead of us. Thank you, Lord, for the days that we have in front of us. Thank you, Father God, for every breath that we take that is without pain. And for those that do have it, Father, we plead the blood of Jesus into their bodies to just completely take over every cell and to heal it. Father, we command it in the mighty name of Jesus. We just call down your glory. We call down your power. We thank you, Father God, for the days that we are in right now. And we pray that you will continue to do a mighty work in each of us so that we are better prepared to be able to take the the ugly things that happen, the challenges that are thrown at us, the things that we can barely tolerate to deal with on a daily basis and deal with them with grace, uh, knowing that, that, that these things are, are going to pass. And I know it's it, in, 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 realistically it is not a very easy thing to do. It is, in fact, one of the most horribly, uh, horribly difficult things that I have ever had to do. And I know a lot of other people are going through things as well that are very difficult, Father, but we just pray in Jesus' name for your grace to overwhelm must to fill us just from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, Father God, and every, no matter what comes our way, I just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, for every single one of us to be able to accept it with grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not being nailed to a cross. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, we are not being, you know, going through things that could be uh, 10 times, hundreds of times more difficult, more painful, more agonizing than they are at this time. We thank you, Father God, for, for easing us into the days that we have ahead of us. Uh, we don't know what we have to deal with, uh, but we pray in Jesus' name, Father God, that, 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 that somehow we will be able to get through these things, no matter how hard they get, and just do the kingdom and incredible justice, and just show people the joy of Jesus Christ, no matter how difficult things are. Let our faith not waver, and let us continue to spend every moment that we possibly can uh, seeking you, Father God, praising your name throughout the day, and just looking 
just knowing in, in our hearts, not, not, not just having a belief, but knowing beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are going to come through, that, that you are going to answer our prayers, uh, and, and the answer to our prayers may not be what we expect them to be, but they, it will be a, a, a fantastic ending to a very difficult journey. And we just give you all the praise and honor and glory and power both now and forever and ever and ever and ever. Thank you, Jesus, for being our hope. Thank you, Father, for being there for us every step of the way. We just got to have the faith. Let us step forward. Let us know it's coming. Let us walk in it and just believe it because it is there. It is real. And if we look back upon our lives, we can see you're moving upon each of our lives. And let us remember that as we look into the future. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And thank you, Father God. Amen. Well, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, uh, I'm pretty healed. I'm, I, th- I'm, I think I'm pretty healed up. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to bore you with the impossible story that I just went through this last week. Um, you know, I, I'll let, just suffice it to say, uh, every time I fly to Phoenix, it, it was insane. I'll just leave it at that. It was absolutely insane. I knew it was an insane ask. I knew what the customer wanted was something that nobody has ever done before. Uh, I knew what they wanted was unreasonable. Um, I knew that I could not tell them that. And I just had to kind of take the ball and run with it in the best manner that I possibly could. I prayed my way through it, and praise God, it came out okay. But uh, the wear and tear on my body 
was uh, very noteworthy and highly painful. So um, anyway, so, you know, when you go 48, I don't know. I don't know about y'all, and I don't know each of your lives. I don't know the listeners all individually. I know some of them, and some of them do write me, and some of them do text me, and I praise God for that. And, and I'm always happy to, you know, help anybody in any way that I can through prayer and what whatnot, but, um, uh, and advice and, you know, things like that. But, uh, yeah, the... Um, it was painful. <laughs> when you, uh, I think the analogy that I used, somebody was trying to figure out. They're like, "Hey, John, can you, you know, kind of help me out here, kind of thing, you know, what, you know, because I, I, how do you take a 500-page book and explain it in two sentences? I don't know how. I really just don't know. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, essentially, the best way to imagine it in your mind, and I know this sounds like an exaggeration, and I don't blame you for thinking it sounds like an exaggeration, because if I was you, I would think it sounds like an exaggeration. All right? All right, kids? It sounds like an exaggeration. But... Um, I, I think the best analogy I can come up with uh, for for what this last week was like, uh, you you would almost have to kind of like sort of imagine uh, being, you know, you, first you have to kind of know what it what it what it means to turn sixty. Okay, now some people turn sixty gr- more gracefully than other people do, but I've been working a sedentary job now for eleven years. And the only time I really get any exercise to speak of, and there have been times where I'd go through spurts with the elliptical trainer, but most of the time I do more damage to my body with the elliptical trainer than um, than good. And I've talked to a physical therapist, and he said this one – now, they're not all cut from the same cookie cutter, okay? They don't all believe the same. But this particular physical therapist told me that you're just going to have to punch your way through it. You're going to have to suffer the pain. Uh, it was his personal opinion that the that the, the advice that you get where you take your time and you work your way into it over time, he didn't subscribe to that. His advice to me was you're just going to have to deal with it. When you can't walk down the stairs, you can't walk down the stairs. Stuff bananas, and you're going to have to get back on the thing the next day. It's going to hurt like heck, and you're just going to have to push your way through it. Now, that was this particular PT guy. Um, but anyway, um, there are other ones that prefer the more general approach. But if you were to imagine, uh, you know, essentially being grow, you know, way, way out of shape and um, – and, um, you know, just because your your job is highly, highly sedentary, in other words, you got to work, you know, roughly 10 hours minimum per day, uh, and you are literally strapped to your laptop. I've, ha- I've had my boss tell me, no, 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 you need to set aside some personal time to, to go out and do some, you know, fast walking and things like that, but I can't. The problem is... In my company, the bosses don't know. Actually, I think it's pretty much every company, really. I don't know. But they don't, they don't, they've never experienced what it is like to be in your shoes. So when you're managing many, 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 many things, you know, like right now I've got $4 billion companies that I'm managing the projects for. I'm not managing over, over, it's weird. It's just all over the road. It's all over the road. So some of them I'm doing the work. Some of them I'm doing part part of the work and part of the oversight. It doesn't matter. But the point is, imagine being in, in a, in a no choice sedentary job for 11 years with a couple of spurts of going to the airport here and there, you know, whatever. And then suddenly somebody tells you, hey, you need to go out and run five miles. Okay. And so you go out and you run five miles and you come back and you're broken. 
I mean, I, now some of you might not relate to that. If you're in really good shape and you've been fast walking for a really long time or, or whatever, or you're a runner or you're a jogger or whatever it is that you are, good for you. Hallelujah. Um, but try doing that when you have a job where you're dealing with, like, when I'm working with four different major billion-dollar clients, I'm also working with approximately 30 people. Okay, and some of those people are coming from the client side. Some of those people are coming from my my side. And then on top of that, I also have to assist um, people that are in sales, because if they make mistakes, those mistakes are going to fall into my lap as flaming bags of, as the Bible would say, dung. And then I got to turn it that dung, the flaming dung, I got to turn it into lemonade so I can decrease the frustration associated with attempting to do that and i've never failed thus far but i expect sooner or later i am because it's coming so fast i mean it's it's almost like anyway it's getting worse and i know it's not just me i i have believers that are a part of this radio show that email me and they're telling me it's happening to them at their workplaces too so but not all companies are going through it you know you know some of the mid-sized companies the smaller companies the 300 seats the 500 seat companies some of those are relatively stable which is praise god for that i love those those are my favorite companies by the way but the bigger companies especially those that trade on the stock market and all that kind of stuff and are dealing with the s&p 500 going up and going down and laying people off and doing hiring freezes and i can't i can't tell you the name of the company but one of my customers they just laid off 3,000 people and they laid off their entire C-suite, <laughs> okay? And I don't even know if you know what the C-suite is, but that's all of the senior leaders, the executive leadership team of the entire company. They just said, see ya, bye. We're going to go ahead and start again. And they hired all brand new C-suite people. They, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it, it's crazy out there. But, um, you know, if you imagine being highly sedentary, you know, and, and you might say, well, John, why don't you work out at night? I've had, I've had so much advice. Work out at 4 o'clock in the morning. Work out at this time. Work out at that time. Work out over lunch. Well, if it – see, I'm dealing with – you know, in, in my situation, it's especially difficult because I'm dealing with multiple time zones, sometimes time zones in other countries. So there's really never this golden hour where you can just set it aside and expect to not be interrupted. And that's just how it is. So when, um, so anyway, so over this last week, um, they ran me so hard, it was unbelievable. It was like my, I, it, it, it was just, it was unbelievable. And then the trip back, I was really, really, really hoping that I would be able to get a little bit of sleep, and you know, even if it was just a cat nap. But um, it was sad. There was this guy that got the, the plane was absolutely jam packed. It was, a, it was uh, you know, two and a half hours up to Denver. Then we had to take, and then it was a layover. Then we had to take another run uh, all the way from Denver, all the way back over to Tampa. Of course, that gets you in in the wee hours or more. Um, the guy in the middle seat, he he had something wrong with him. I don't know what it was, and I certainly wasn't going to ask him. And I didn't want to, you know, I I just was very quiet. Uh, I I did look over because it was concerning. It was like, um, but then I thought he must have mus- muscular. Di- Maybe MS, or maybe he has Parkinson's, or maybe he has restless leg syndrome. I don't know what was the matter, but he he was flailing all over the place. I mean, so there was no, and he was a very large man. We're talking six three, maybe a taller, uh, big guy, and um, he was flailing, you know, like like uh, like a, a an upset three year old would flail, you know, when they want something and you don't give it to them and they flail all over the place and. Ah! 
guy, you know, like that. That's what he was doing. And and he was so huge. His body was bashing into my body. And then um, and that's how the trip was for 3.5 hours from Denver back to Tampa. And then we uh, so so I just, you know, I took my little blow up pillow that I try to make work. Doesn't work very good. But anyway, uh, I put everything away. And then I just watched uh, some downloaded uh, Netflix movies just to pass the time away, which did help a lot. Uh, And um, but yeah, it was uh, yeah, anything pretty much. But (coughs) excuse me. But the good thing is everything as far as the client was concerned, the salespeople were concerned, supposedly, the word was that they were very happy. But um, you know, quite honestly, I didn't want to answer any of the emails. I took Friday off. I was in so much pain, I couldn't move. And then, and then that was also forty-eight hours of no sleep, with no sleep. So forty, you know, it's a two entire days um, with with none. I mean, it was literally no sleep. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, you know, that, and that's fine. You know, it, it is what it is. Hey, listen, you know, I don't have um, God has blessed me. I, I think we all need to look at life like this sometimes. There's a lot of people that are hurting real, real bad, a lot worse than most of us are. No matter what it is you think you're going through, it could be a lot, lot worse. Um, I just had my brother, I call him my brother-in-law, but it's because I was born 20 years late and it's all kinds of dorked up and it's like a cousin-in-law. I'm not, not going to get into it. He's, if it anyway, I, he's my brother-in-law as far as I'm concerned. Well, he just, you know, got diagnosed with, with you know, a very, um, ag- it's, a, it's an agonizing kind of a, a, a syndrome, uh, a, a sickness. And he's in his retirement. Did you know? I don't know how many people out there know this, statistically speaking, but did you know that 63%, 63% of the people who save for retirement die or develop a essentially a deadly disease that's very agonizing, painful, before they get to retire? 63% of the people out there that have been saving their entire lives with their 401ks and, you know, cutting all kinds of corners and doing all these different things because they want to be able to retire, 63% of them, by the time they hit retirement age, are either dead or they're debilitated. Did you know that statistic? Well, now you do. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So we got to remember what a blessing, no matter how hard and how agonizing, how miserable and how painful. And it is. It was painful. And, um, you know, and, and it's fine. Praise God. I sat like a bump on a log. I wouldn't move out of my chair. I had to heal. I mean, I was, you know, it was like one of those things where, you, you know, you ever walk down the stairs and you're like, ow, you know, you're crying out on every step. Ow. Like that kind of thing, yeah. That's that's what my Friday was like, and 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 then people like you know they they're in, nobody at work knows that you know they, for some reason they just don't they don't read your out of office notice they don't it doesn't matter they don't care, and so all of a sudden I'm getting bombed with these emails. Oh, good job, John! What a great job that you did! Oh, hallelujah! I, you know they didn't say hallelujah, but you know you did a great job in this that, and the other thing, and way way to go! And and you know and we need and oh and by the way they always lace that they always throw in a little bit of poison into the into the uh, you know congratulations and they say oh and by the way we need XYZ and LMNOP by 11 o'clock Monday morning and I'm like you know what I just shut it off you know one of the guys called me on the phone while I'm supposed to be having my day off and trying to heal and I told him I said I, you know I'm sitting here with 
some wine and I'm 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 a bump on a log and I'm not doing diddly. And I, I told him, I said, I'm hurting. I haven't slept, I, you know, and I and and he was like, nope, if I were you, I'd do the same thing. We'll just team up on Monday morning and we'll knock it out. Well, of course, what that means to me is I got to deal with all that stuff on Monday morning, plus the three other projects that I'm working on and all the other people that want, well, where's John? Oh, John's back. And they're all going to be like, well, he's back now from Phoenix. So now we can have his time. So we need to, you know, call John, call John, you know, do this, do that, do that. So I'm, I'm just going to have to tell him. No. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to have to tell him, look, I'm sorry, but I got, you know, the problem is I've I've got to wrap up. It's, it's weird because everybody's screaming for you and you just, and I mean, they are screaming. They are sending you emails in all capital letters and they are saying, we need a little, 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 and you're like, you just have to look at all the different things that they have lined up, and then they're all they all want it at the same time, and you just have to manage it. You just have to tell them, look, hey, you know, I, I understand, I get it, I'm sorry, but he, I'm going to have to do this and this and this and this and this and this first. And um, you know, it's 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 absolutely insane. But anyway, I, um, the. For those of you who are over 60 or even over 55 and you know what it's like to just, you know, you say to yourself, hey, I'm going to start working out. Now, a lot of people over the age of 55 are like, ah, forget it, and they just won't do anything, and that's just how it is, and it is what it is, you know, but they're never going to work out, and that's fine. I know people like that, but if you are the type of individual who has at periods in your life worked out regularly or whatever – and, and you're over 55 and you just suddenly say, okay, I'm going to start working out again. You push yourself really, 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 really hard and you're going to be in like really, really super duper painful, 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 painful. And then add in between those five mile runs, add in these jogs. I mean, it's just continuously all, you know, running through airports, running through airports, running through airports, all that kind of stuff. Right at the client site, the, the, the hotel was so dagnabbit big that when it would drop us off on one side, they would say, well, this is floor two. And I'd be like, well, that's where my room is on floor two. Then I'd go up the elevator, and I'd realize, oh, I was on the, completely on the other side of the hotel, which meant that I had to go back down to the third floor, and then all the way across the I – mean, we're talking about quarter miles easy, easily a quarter mile across the hotel uh, until you get to the, hotel, to the actual elevators because there are special elevators that you have to – because if you don't go up these elevators and you go up those other elevators to floor two, well, you're on a different part of floor two, and then you've got to go all the way back down, all the way back around, and it's just absolutely – it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Uh, it was like um, when I was doing the work for the client, you ha- for, is there anybody out there who has ever – let's hear a praise offering for Jesus from the listening audience for anybody out there who has ever – and, you know, and I feel for you. I have empathy for you. I've done it, okay, who has ever speed dated. Okay, if there's anybody out there who has ever done a speed date, let's hear a praise, praise offering for Jesus if there's anybody out there who has ever done a speed date. Huh? Uh-huh. Pretty nuts, wasn't it? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Right. Yeah. That's what the engagement with the client was like. It was impossible. What I was being asked to do was literally impossible, and God was with me. Praise his name. There never been done before. Nobody's ever been asked to do something because it's that insane. And um and you can't push back. And whatever. Uh, And I did it. 
Um, I'm not exactly sure what the output's going to look like in the report, but <laughs> I got through the week and they said good things and, oh, we're so happy and this, that, and the other thing, and well, way to go! And, and I'm just thinking to myself, please, Lord, let food just magically materialize supernaturally before me because I don't want to walk down the stairs to get any food. I'm in too much pain. So I just sat in my, <laughs> I just sat in my recliner literally all day long uh, trying to heal. And then uh, yesterday I felt a little bit better, a little more, little pain, but not too bad. And then today I felt good. All right, praise God. But, you know, just in time to go get beat up <laughs> you know, on Monday. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Right, kids? That's just how it works. I don't like those 737 uh, Max 8s, those ones that were crashing all over the place, and they rushed them through the production line at high speed, and they had all these safety inspectors that worked for Boeing coming forward and whistleblowing and complaining, and they got documentaries about it. what I flew on two of those. I don't like those things. There's something spooky about those planes. Um, for example, when they land um, – it, there's two different types of – they have air brakes, and then they have brakes for the actual wheels. And they, they – and whatever. I, I'm not into that stuff, but I can tell you something. When, that, when those planes come down and they're on the runway, at some point they actually use you – know, they use a combination of the air brakes, which is really flipping the flaps up. Flip, flapping, flip, flappers. And then, um, and then, uh, then they have – I guess, some kind of a brake or something that actually breaks the tire eventually. Uh, now, they don't use those until the plane slows down substantially. But, but boy, there's, there's something wrong. There's two things that I know – well, there's three things that I noticed that are very wrong with those, those 737 MAX 8s, other than they're probably going to start crashing again sooner or later. I just you – know, the thing about it is, why not me? Lord, in Jesus' name, why can't I be on one of those planes that goes into the sea? Because I would love that. Hallelujah. I'd be singing songs. I'd be saying, all right, all those who call out upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved in accordance with a, uh, an Acts, uh, you know, uh, Acts 2, verse uh, 22. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give God praise. Repent of your sins now. We got at least eight minutes before we hit the water. Hallelujah. Come on. Cry out to Jesus now. Hallelujah. Splash. How many people do you think would be in heaven? I don't know. But I bet you a bunch of people would be. And they'd be like, wow. Wow. Look at this. <sighs> anyway. Oh, well. But anyway, um, I'm glad it's so well, it's not over with, but the journey, you know, the physical part of it is over with. Now I just have to manage the documentation stuff and the and all the endless requests of nearly impossible things that I have. To, you know, that's just whatever. But praise the Lord. Each one of us, praise the Lord for those of you going through horrible marriage problems. Praise the Lord for those of you going through horrible family problems. Praise the Lord for those of you who are in countries that are still being, uh, you know, victimized by COVIDitis. Uh, you know, praise the Lord for all of us going through the horrible things that we're going through. Our children, um, you know, the various challenges. I could just, you know, the list would be so huge. Praise God for that, because. Um, you know, we're just going to have to learn. I, I, now, some of you, maybe, like, I, I don't know. I don't understand it. It has to have, it must have to do. The degree to which you are suffering right now, when I say suffering, it, that's the right word, but it's for different reasons. And 
the primary reason seems to be, at least looking at prophecies that are somewhat trustworthy right now, you can, you know, your spirit will usually tell you things. And, uh, but you also got to look at other, you know, the Bible. The Bible is your litmus test. It's your, you know, plumb line for everything that you hear. And if you don't know your Bible like incredibly well, you won't know when the prophet is going sideways. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. And then, uh, but anyway, um, we're, we're, some of us are going through fiery trials. Okay, just leave it at that. We're going through fiery trials. See, we're supposed to be able to put, to be nailed to a cross with grace. Now, you might say, what is this guy talking about? But I'm so like when we're going through like really bad stuff, we're not supposed to be misbehaving. We're not supposed to be all grumbly and rah, 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 rah. And, you know, like when I get really exhausted, you know, one of the other things I didn't like about the 737, it, it makes this like the first thing is when the brakes hit. I mean, the whole thing just, it is just the most horrible sound. You'd swear the whole thing is just going to bust an app. And I, I, looked, I looked over at the guy, this guy across from me, and I said, that's a heck of a noise for a brand new plane to make. And then everybody was like, oh, yeah. That was the one thing that was weird. And the other thing that was weird is when, when it was like way up high, like 37,000 feet, 36,000 36, feet, cruising altitude. The outs, when you try to lean over, you know, sleep. You're at the window seat, and you want to lean, lean over and sleep. No. That, that plane is freezing cold. That is the first time I have ever been on a plane in my entire life that when you were at cruising altitude, that coldness came through the plane. They must have taken a tremendous amount of the insulation out in order to make the shell thinner, I guess, and then I suppose that made it better with gasoline or whatever, you know, jet fuel, because the whole big deal, it's, it's all about saving money, saving money, saving money, saving money, which don't even get me, if I start thinking about all the things they probably did to save money, <laughs> I can only imagine. Um, and then uh, the other thing is that the, the head, the, the compartment that comes down over your head, you know, that lowers down where you're supposed to put your, your rollerboard or whatever, that thing comes down cockeyed. I mean, it's not, it's not really cockeyed. It just comes down in such a fashion that it, it will hurt you. It will hurt you. It doesn't stay up high like it does on the other 737s. It comes down much lower, and it goes out much further into the aisle. So you bash your head and smack your hand. I got a big bruise on my uh, right hand. I mean, it's, it's, it's a big old bruise, big old bruise. And my wrist is also, I don't know what's, you know, when I try to lift myself, you know, to push myself up out of a seat or whatever, I can feel my wrist is, you know, it's, I don't think it's cracked or anything, but boy, it hurts. It's like it's sprained from when that thing came down and smashed against my hand. But anyway, oh, well, so I guess I'll just have to get used to it. Look out, Doc, the luggage thing's coming down. Doc, kids, Doc. <laughs> it's all right. Hallelujah. So anyway. Yeah, there's no way I, I couldn't. There was no physical way I could have done the prayer vigil on Friday night. I was destroyed. Oh well. Anyway, praise God. I, I feel much better now, and I'm I'm dreading tomorrow. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm going to be up at four o'clock, probably. Um, you know, four thirty the latest, and I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be praying my eyes out. I'm going to be praying my eyes out. I wonder I wonder how bad the week would be if I didn't. And and back to that point I was going to make. You know. 
this is something that I don't think a lot of people quite realize. But And there's a scripture for it, and the Lord, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but if I the next time I stumble across it, I'll put it into the prayer vigil, and I'll share it. But there is a scripture that supports this as well. But when we're going through really hard times, we're supposed to have the grace of Christ. And I got to work on that because when I got luggage thingamajiggies coming down and smashing my hand and bruising it and, and uh, you know, all these other things and, you know, no sleep for 48 hours, which is really torture for Al-Qaeda or whatever. But, the, you know, it stacks up on you. It just layers. It's just layer upon layer upon layer upon fatigue, pain, the whole enchilada. You know, the whole enchilada with sprinkles on it and a slather of whatever kind of icing you want, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, and and it, you know, and when you ha- when it just when it's layered on top of layers on top of layers on top of pain and exhaustion, and it's just you get to this point where you're like, you're, you're barky, you know, you're like a dog. So you're just like, get out of my way! Oh gosh, bless me! Yeah, you know, it's all you can do to not, you know, you, you just want to. Flip out. <laughs> it hurts. And, um, and you know, we're supposed to have grace while we're hurting. And um, I need more practice. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, if you need to beat me up a little bit more, do it. If I need to, whatever has to happen to me, Father, whatever has to happen to me, I pray, Father God, that you will let, let me have it. Let me have it. I don't want to miss. I don't want anybody that's listening to this program in the name of Jesus to miss. Many are called and few are chosen, Father. Let us not miss. Let us make the barley harvest. Let us do what we got to do. Whatever changes we have to go through, whatever agony we have to suffer, whatever pain we have to go through, whatever layers upon layers upon layers of ugly we must endure. Father, teach us in the name of Jesus through putting us through these things. To have grace. To have your grace. And to just say praise God. And to keep our voice nice and calm. And to not let our human emotions show. As the Bible would say, as the Gentiles do. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for your grace. We pray that we will be trained up. We will be ready. We will be able to endure whatever it is that you have for us to go through, and for those who do not have to go through the fiery trials because they have done enough or they're in a place where they're, it's just not part of their destiny and, and they're making great contributions to the kingdom through their prayers, we just praise you, Father, for them. We thank you, Father, for all of us in all the different dynamics of our walks. And we pray that you will lead us to that supernatural anointing of grace that we need to have and exhibit while we are going through pain, real, bona fide, genuine, very, very painful pain, in unbelievable levels of exhaustion, and possibly even worse. Father, in the name of Jesus, let us all have the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, our King, our Messiah, as we are going through these things in the days ahead. Let us not flip out. Let us not become fleshy in our responses, in our emotional outbursts. Let us not have those emotional outbursts, and let us have the grace of Jesus. 
as we endure all the different challenges that we have to endure now as practice, as practice. And Father, let not fear enter into our heart if we recognize that we're having to endure more or a lot, a lot more than others. Help us to understand that 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 may just be that you're preparing us for whatever it is you wrote in our books before there was time. Psalm 139, verse 16. In Jesus' name we pray, Father, that we will have that grace. And that grace will follow us until the day that we stand before you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, kids, are you ready? Kids, what smells the best at Thanksgiving dinner? It's right around the corner. You know, I'm, so t- I'm, st- I'm still hungover, tired enough from this last week. I don't even feel like doing Thanksgiving this year. And I know it's like the last one, so I mean, but kids, what smells the best at Thanksgiving dinner? Your nose. <laughs> Come on, kids. Yeah, see? Although, I'll tell you what, the stuffing I make is like, when I finally got smart enough to realize that when you use parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme, that you just use a little bit of it when it's fresh. Just a little pinch. And a big 9 by 13, there's just a little, you can add a little extra parsley if you want for color. But the sage, rosemary, and thyme, that's a pinch. Okay, I was like, you know, using it like dry spices. I'm just like tossing in the first time I did it. I was like, oh, this is awful. Okay, kids, when the pilgrims landed, where did they stand? Uh, Thank you. I see Plymouth Rock. That would not be that may be right, but it's not the right answer for this question. Where did they stand, kids? On their feet. (laughs) Come on, on their feet. That's where they stood, Plymouth Rock. What is this, a geography lesson? Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Kids, how do you get a squirrel to like you? Act like a nut. (laughs) Sometimes you feel like a nut. (laughs) Okay. I know. Almond Joey's got nuts and mounds don't. (sighs) Okay. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, on that note, um, wow. So much to talk about. I guess I'll just go into the news because then it'll the news headlines will draw out the commentary that needs to wrap around the news itself because it's it's like three dimensional satanic chess where the where God our heavenly Father. As was promised through his servants, the prophets, Amos 3, 7, surely the Lord God does nothing without first revealing it to his servants, the prophets. Granted, that is, if you're listening to the right ones and they are not being overwhelmed with seducing spirits, which was in the Stanley Fraudgen prophecy of 1963. All right. Now, anyway, but I do believe we're starting to edge out of that season where... You know, now I'm not saying that seducing spirits are not still out there and hard at work. There's always going to be pillow prophets, and don't get me going on Seven Mountains stuff. That is way out there, but there's a few of them that are starting to slowly come around. And I'm just watching carefully and discerning my way past them, uh, past the sideways stuff and looking for the, the stuff we need to hear. Praise God. All right, but anyway, um, but in the midst of all of it, um, the real blessing is to be able to have. 
You know, with a margin of error, uh, a good understanding of the Bible, and a strong level, of, I would say a very high level of likelihood on a scale of one to five, I would say it would be a four, of knowing pretty well where we are in the Bible as far as the end times timeline is concerned. That is a really big deal. Praise God. Um, and I just thank him so much for that. I, I, I praise him for all of the stuff I had to go through this last week. You know, I honestly wish I didn't have to go through it, but I did. And um, and I'm sure that, that God had a really wonderful, fantastic, eternal reason why I had to. And uh, unfortunately, we just all have to kind of deal you know, so anyway, so praise God. But anyway, I think what I'm going to do is just go into the news and because it's all over the road and it's all very end time. If I were to compare the magnitude, the intensity of the end times ness, the end times ness of what the world is experiencing now compared to five years ago, it's night and day. I mean, it's literally night and day. It's unbelievable. But I would think that that would be the way it was if we were deep in the seals, Revelation, you know, the, the six seals, uh, you know, the, the you know, or I'm sorry, the seven seals, uh, you know, in, the, in, in Revelation chapter six. All right. We're deep in that. Now, how far away we are from the actual day of the Lord and how far are we away from the actual point that Russia, you know, we're in a full-blown war with Russia and all that kind of stuff and Gog and Magog invasion and full World War III. And then, of course, there's the alien invasion stuff that starts happening around World War III and all that kind of stuff. And then the barley harvest and, you know, uh, when the big round, uh, you know, Death Star-like copper ball-shaped thing that they have the sculptures all over the United Nations and the Vatican and all over the world now, they know they're coming. So anyway, um, but we don't. We don't. I mean, we know that what we do know is that it appears the arrival of the overt, I should say, there, there it is and it isn't going to be like a disclosure. For those of us who are awake and aware and realize that the alien races and beings and all these creatures, things, they, they, they've been on the earth for a long, long, long time. But there's more coming. There's much more coming. And they don't get along with each other. So there's going to be wars in the sky. It's going to be very much like the is written in the uh, uh, you know the the uh, Mahabharata and some of the uh, Sanskrit texts. Okay, we're going to see some of that action going on. That's in the uh, that's in the Bible. That's in Second uh, Isaiah 15. Um, starts around 48 is where you see uh, verse 48 is where you see the horrible star, uh, which is a reference to Planet X. But also you've got uh, Second Esdras 15, I think it's 28, where you've got the dragons of Arabia. That's a, a reference uh, to alien, an alien invasion. And then it says, then the Carmangians raging from the another direction come in and they start fighting with the dragons of Arabia. So we're going to see. Not only alien invasions, but we're going to see fighting of aliens in the sky. I'm not saying that we're even going to be here for that. We may not be. As a matter of fact, if David Doetry got it right, which I think he did, because it aligns with Sori Park's visit with Jesus, then the barley harvest is going to, you know, if we make the barley harvest, I pray in Jesus' name, please, Lord, that we all do, then we're not going to have to be here for the ramifications that are going to happen after, you know, these alien, the alien beings start to swarm the earth. 
Okay, and I could go through. I mean, it's all prophetically in, in the various uh, TV and movie. Mo- you got Battle L.A. You got Without Warning. You got How the End Begins. You got War of the Worlds. You got Greenland. You've got, and these are just the ones that have, uh, you know, this meteor-like event where they're coming. Meteors are falling from the sky. Meteors are falling from the sky. Meteors are falling from the sky. But no, no, they're aliens. Okay. Sort of like stars falling from the sky like a fig tree shaken by a mighty wind. Those stars falling from the sky are metaphors for the fallen angels, which, by the way, is echoed over in Revelation chapter 12, which I covered on, on a couple of shows ago. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, it's, it's a beautiful, lovely blessing from God to know where these things are in the Bible. Hallelujah. So anyway, on that note, I'm going to go ahead and we're, uh, do the stingers for the news, and we'll just we'll just hammer our way through the news. And um, now, granted, you know, um, I it, it might seem like an eternity since I've done a program, you know, with being in Phoenix and all that. And I understand that a lot of things have happened, but I I, I really want to wrap it all up tonight, hopefully. Uh, You know, tie a ribbon on it, as it were. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And some of it is, well, all of it is just unbelievable. All right. Ready to get set? Go. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. It's not normal. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, the first thing up is, um, and let me just go ahead and do a little bit of adjustment to my, okay, well, the computer doesn't, oh, well, look at that. It really doesn't want to work. Hold on. I'm going to try something different. I just got a major update to uh, Windows 11. And let me tell you, when they make an update to a brand new operating system, you better buckle up. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So this headline reads, and this is from, um, uh, you know, uh, zero hedge. What hell is like? Jury orders Alex Jones to pay Sandy Hook families and and some FBI person they claim uh, one billion dollars, and it's actually nine hundred and sixty-five million. Um, Jones actually f- figured that that was going to be the case. It is ridiculous. It's asinine, and if you don't like that word, oh well. Um, but that's a legitimate word. It's not a foul word. It's just a word that accurately reflects the ridiculous nature of this particular the whole thing. It was it was a show trial. It was absolutely ridiculous, and on, on it was unbelievable. And um and 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 this is uh about ten years ago. Alex Jones had come. He he said this. I have it recorded. He said, there will come a time when I am eliminated. Now, he's not eliminated right now. Uh, He has two years to appeal, all right? And do you think they're going to appeal? Of course they are. Because for one thing, this was a, it was a fake, it was fake court. It wasn't real. But you have to ha- you have to be a person who actually followed some of the dynamics of it, some of the things, the orders that came from the judge, which were illegal, and I mean they were not. It wasn't legal. It was not a not. It was totally illegal. Okay. So anyway, all that being said, you know, uh, will the George Soros's will the Global Satanic Crime Syndicate, the uh, you know, will they put 
together another show, you know, another fake trial? It, are all the judges in their pockets? I think so. I really do. I really do. I don't think that he's going to escape. And um, and I don't know what they but he he 10 years ago, give or take, I don't know if it was 10, 9 or whatever. He came forward and he said, I predict. That I will be taken out. And when that happens, folks, buckle up, because I will be made an example. And when they take me out, it's the end. Okay, he goes. Watch out, because they're going to they're going to come after another person, another person, another person, another person. This was like ten years ago, long before they started doing censorship and the January sixth lie from the bowels of hell and everything else that they've been doing right now. Okay, this is the things that are happening right now in the United States of Babylon the Great are so unbelievable, so antichrist, so against the law. So in your face, so unconstitutional, so absolutely against the Bill of Rights, so absolutely. And people are just looking at it in shock. You know, I don't even like looking at Twitter anymore because I see well-known Republican leaders that, you know, uh, I I tend to like uh, in astonishment. I mean, they're literally blown away. They can't even hardly talk. They're just like, what kind of thing? And um, yeah, and uh, if if my hunch is right and the midterms is a loss because of fraud again, uh, because of people being paid off again, because of uh, hacking into the Dominion machines that are still going to be there again, okay, then um, I can't even imagine the – the uh, what is the word when you're so blown away you can't even talk. Anyway, that's that's how astonished people will be, and I I'm, I I don't want to say that I fear it. I actually welcome it. And you might say, what do you mean, John? Well, well, my citizenship is in heaven. I want to go home and be with Jesus. And if that means I'm going to have to go through ugly, I don't want to get ten, I don't want to have death by 10,000 cuts. I don't want to have death by 50,000 cuts. I want to get this over with. I want to get off this alien demon infested rock in the name of Jesus. Don't you kids? Hallelujah. Let's go home. Praise God. <clears throat> anyway, so if Alex Jones's prediction of about 10 years ago is true, give or take the two years that he says that he can appeal, which is interesting because that'll give him just enough time to continue to inflict. A lot more people can be woken up, but you know, I'm not saying I agree with everything that he believes. I don't agree with what, you know, I agree with the Bible period end of story. And I know I'm imperfect and I got a lot to learn and grace is one of them, especially when I'm <laughs> extremely tired and in pain. And I think a lot of us have to learn that. I really think a lot of us have to learn that we all need to, like Jesus, loving, kind, considerate, humble, long-suffering, contrite, even when we are so exhausted, so much in pain, we can barely stand it. I, I need to learn that. I don't want to be grumbly and rah, 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 that kind of thing. We all got to learn it. So anyway, this is a warning. If If his prediction from 10 years ago is accurate, Watch out, folks. There's a whole bunch more lined up that are going to get taken out. Oh, but you see the midterms. The red tide is coming. Everything's going to turn around. You think? 
Do you think? I know a lot of people do think. That's what they believe. I, for one, am highly skeptical of that. Anyway, on that note, let's keep on going. Okay, Russia blew up about a third of Ukraine's energy infrastructure in two days. No more electricity export for Europe. Um, there's a number of headlines that we're going to, I'm going to read very quickly, but I'm just going to tell you what's really going on. All right. Just so you know, a lot of people don't, a lot of people do, a lot of people don't. What you may not be aware of because the West is not, they're not hearing it. They're getting these tiny little peaks, little tiny leaks of information that sneak in there, you know, if you pay attention, but it's mostly lies as always. Right now, it is a full-blown war over in the Ukraine. And you say, like, what do you mean, John? Well, okay, reflect back to shock and awe. Reflect back to Operation Desert Storm. That's as close as we can come. If you're not a World War II expert, you don't know um, how war is conducted, what war doctrine states. The first thing you do is you take out the communications infrastructure. The second thing you do is you take out the power infrastructure. Okay, then and then you take out strategic government stronghold areas so that they can't have command and control. Okay, that way all of their troops are cut off from you know go to the left, go to the right. Here's some more tanks. They don't get those orders. They're already so. What you need to know, we all ought to be somewhat aware of the fact that after the bridge was blown and they've already fixed that, so that was like. Pfft, big waste of time. But anyway, but the thing is that that was a line they crossed. So they brought in this guy named General Saravikik or something like that. It's a little hard to pronounce. And his nickname is General Armageddon. That really is his nickname. And he has been given godlike privileges over, you know, Putin has said, you, short of nuclear weapons, you have the entire Russian Federation and all of our resources at your disposal. And just so you are aware, Russia has been taking out the Ukraine ever since. There has been not a single night of rest. Those caliber missiles, which are their their version of cruise missiles, so that they, you know they go two two times further than the Tomahawk, and they have about double the payload. They are they make the Tomahawks look very weak indeed. All right, and the, and they fly all the way. They can launch them from the from the you know Black Sea, and they can fly all the way across the, the Ukraine, all the way across. And they hit Lviv. Now Lviv has gotten pounded to dust. Okay, I, it's probably an exaggeration, but I'm just saying, hammered, hammered. Why is Lviv getting hammered? Where is Lviv? Do you know where it is? I had to look it up. I had a hunch. I was right. Lviv is over by Poland. That is the epicenter. That is the city where they are sneaking in the military equipment. But what they're doing, these big howitzers and things like that, they're bringing them in in pieces. See, they were bringing them in already built on trains, on flatbed trains. But Russia was blowing them up faster than they can bring them in. So then they said, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this covertly. So we're going to bring them in in pieces, and then we're going to build them in Lviv inside of you know warehouses and things. Well, Russia's intelligence already knows that. So they're blowing the heck out of Lviv. But it isn't just Lviv. It's 20 or 30 other cities that they're pounding, 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 pounding. They're pounding them. They're pounding them. They're taking out the infrastructure, the water systems. They're getting ready for an all-out, full-blown war. <clears throat> and Belarus is preparing because they know what's going to happen. 
<coughs> excuse me. They know what's going to happen. What they're going to do is Poland is going to come in, and they're going to put on Ukrainian outfits, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, they're going to slap on Ukrainian things, you know, that you can tear off the thing and you can put it, you know, they're going to do that. And these are going to be Polish soldiers dressed as Ukrainian soldiers. And they're going to come in and take, you know, just by the thousands, hundreds of thousands. I don't know how many. I mean, I really don't. Nobody knows, but the speculation has been in very large numbers to populate the western part of the Ukraine. But Belarus is like nothing doing. So Belarus is getting ready to come down from the north to populate and to take control of the western side of Ukraine. So the entire country, every day, every day this last week, Friday, Saturday, sunny, bam, bam, caliber missile, caliber missile, caliber missile, caliber missile, caliber the place to bits because they're getting ready to send in the ground troops. They're probably going to do some uh, air raid stuff, too. Um, So we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. But most of the West is not – they do not know what's actually happening right now. They don't know. And that's what I'm just letting you know. I'm giving you the inside scoop. Um, uh, And, uh, you know, I I see it with my own eyes. I I got the channels up, and and I'm watching them. And I know. I know what they're doing because I can see what they're doing. Oh, don't even don't even get me going on the amount of military equipment that's being brought in. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Probably t- thousands and thousands of tanks. Uh, it's going to be big. It's going to be the biggest thing we've ever seen in our lifetimes, other than what's on the, you know, movies. All right, praise God, thank you Jesus, hallelujah. So, it's coming. Thank you Jesus. Next up, Nancy Pelosi claims that the Democrats will win big during the midterms, and she apologizes for saying Trump's name out loud on the Colbert show. And whatever. I'm not going to waste any time on that. Next one up. Kremlin officials warn of guaranteed escalation to a catastrophic World War III. Now, the West is taking full advantage of that because they want to use scare tactics and scare everybody but that's not Russian war doctrine. Russia will never make a first strike. But you have to understand something. If they believe that you are sending nuclear missiles their way, then they don't consider it a first strike. You understand? They consider it a nuclear defensive response. And what a lot of people don't know is they have, for example, the NATO is doing their annual um, nuclear preparation drills, and they are outfitting F-35s with uh, a particular type of nuclear-capable missile, and it's all part of this drill. But if they fly that those planes directly towards Moscow over the Ukraine from Poland, what's Russia supposed to think? Do you know how many times – a drill has gone live over the years, that it's been used as a tactic. Don't even get me going on Panama and where's Manuel Noriega? So, and Russia knows that. And they don't trust us for, you know. So anyway, there are things that are happening that are provocations. And those behind these provocations, you know, like the Antichrist, Obama, all right, they are calling the shots for the World Economic Forum and all the other reptilians out there that are trying to take over the world and throw us all in FEMA camps and, 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 uh, and you know, 
torture us and do horrible things and kill us. I mean, ultimately, that's that's the goal. All right, so praise God. So yes, you know, is there a little bit of truth? That, you know, if we would leave Russia alone, would any would there be any nukes? No, but we're not. We're trying to. We're trying so hard. We're trying to think of every little thing that we can possibly do to make them think that we're going to nuke them. So they respond with one. Next one up. Patrick Lancaster News Today, which you can hear only on Telegram, is pointing out that, um, and he says, breaking news, we are on the brink now. Russia is now sending out mass civil defense procedures and instructions on how to react to the alert of airborne chemical or radiation attacks. 100% confirmed. My wife received this from our children's kindergarten in Rostov region, Russia. Civil defense, the procedure for the actions of the population on the go, Signal when at work. The signal will be attention to all, attention to all, accompanied by the activation of sirens and intermittent beeps, followed by verbal information about the signal go. Upon hearing the signal, turn on your radio and television set and listen to the message of the situation on how to proceed. Pass the information to receive to your neighbors. Act according to the messages that you've been given. Ways that you should notify all television, loudspeakers, sirens, bells, radio, how is it, how, uh, you know, and howls from businesses and vehicles and phones and text messages but what it is is this is an instruction that they're handing out to all of the schools all of the localities all of the local governments in russia that's how serious they see us as a nuclear threat we don't even have to have real nuclear bombs on those f-35s we just need to point them toward russia because they're not going to wait to see if they're fake or not. Get it? Okay. However, I will say this, according to my Bible, as best as I can tell, although there's a whole, you know, the everything that's in the Bible is true, but not everything is true is in the Bible, right? Amen. All right, so, and I don't know of any prophecies that say that, you know, I do know the ceremony vision uh, indicates that, it, the, you know, the, the World War III, the actual full-blown World War III kicks off with a nuclear tip missile being launched from Libya. Now, see, here's the thing. Was she shown all this other stuff, too? No, probably. No, I would say. I don't think anybody that, that that has received a prophecy, dream, or vision from the Lord sees anything except what God wanted them to see from their vantage point at that moment in time. And she did say that after the nuclear-tipped uh, missile from Iran hit, touches down and hits in uh, uh, Israel, <clears throat> she did say that there was a many other countries that launched in the air nuclear missiles. She mentioned Pakistan and India and stuff like that. But we, but who who knows how many other ones there might might have been even before that she didn't see, right? She did not see the um, the F-15s or F-16s or whatever they are coming in from the Israeli Air Force, uh, launching the two tactical nukes at the base of the Fordow Mountain, which they've been practicing to do. They're practicing for it. Oh, by the way, that will be a direct attack against Russian territory as far as their, well, not officially Federation Russian territory, but one of their allies, right, Iran, major ally. Iran's given them all the uh, kamikaze drones. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I got to keep on going. Uh, oh, okay. Hallelujah. Let, let me go ahead and play this for you. 
I'm going to move quicker uh, so we can get Sister Terry on here. Hold on just a second. Listen, I want you to hear this. This is the tone. This is in Brooklyn. I believe it's in Brooklyn. Uh, and AOC, who we all dearly love, tongue-in-cheek, um, is up on the stage and doing doing a little town hall. It was hardly anybody showed up. Nobody likes her. Not even her own constituency anymore. But listen to this. This is live. Hold on a second. Where is the – there it is. Oh. Democratic Party. Because there are Okay? You originally voted, you ran as an outsider. Yet you've been voting to start this war in Ukraine. You're voting to start a third nuclear war with Russia and China. Why are you playing with the lives of American citizens? You're playing with our lives. There will be no neighbors if there's a nuclear bomb. You voted to mobilize and send money to Ukrainian Nazis. You're a coward. You're a progressive socialist. I think you got the general idea. <laughs> so uh, her popularity has gone down. You know, you, you start dropping the nuke word and people really freak out. I, I'm not concerned about it at all. I know it's coming. I know it's been prophesied. I know God is w- would share these things with us, but we definitely don't know the order and we don't know what we haven't been told. And that's just so we're just going to have to fly with it and, and praise God and thank him and just, you know, and, and ask him, ask him to put us through fiery trials. You, you, that takes a lot of courage to get on your knees in tears and ask your father to put you through fiery trials to bring you to where you need to be to please him. Try it. I do. And he does. And in any, and it's, tr- it's true what the scripture says. It is not any fun to go through it. It is awful. But I want to be what he wants me to be. And we should all want to be what he wants us to be. Amen? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Uh, And, yeah, it's really, really hard. All right, next one up. Headline, thank you, Jesus. Nearly one million people are quarantined in Uganda as the Ebola outbreak continues to spread. The landlocked East African nation has declared an outbreak of the Ebola virus disease in September, and the numbers are climbing every single week, every single week, every single week. Bigger, 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 bigger. So... The big concern is that these people are going to be migrating all over different parts of Africa, getting on airplanes, and it's going to turn into a big disaster. We shall see. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Iran issues a warning to Biden. Attempts to influence the country from abroad will fail, according to the Iranian foreign minister. So, again, Iran has made their mind up that we are RCIA and such because we have such a long long, long, long track record of infiltrating other countries and, and causing civil unrest to topple governments. That's a big, big part of the uh, Babylon the Great, uh, uh, you know, modus operandi. And, uh, and Iran is, uh, you know, holding us accountable. All right. So anyway, uh, same old story, really, when you think about it, but much, much greater a magnitude than we've seen historically ever. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Jerusalem Post reports violence erupts in Jerusalem uh, in most violent night the capital has had in years. And, of course, you know, uh, they got the photography and the people running to and fro, and, and it's, it's your classic, you know. And, of course, it's, uh, you know, heading into Sukkot. Wait, it says rocks on its way to Sukkot. Yep. Uh, event in East Jerusalem. Next one up. 
Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Another one, violence erupts. Uh, this is just another one saying the same thing. So there's a lot of reports coming out again uh, uh, in Israel regarding the magnitude of the violence that uh, and the outbreaks of violence, uh, including, you know, Israeli police officers and, you know, IDF and uh, different, you know, Muslim Palestinian groups. All right. So it's pretty much on borderline out of control over there. And, uh, you know, and, and probably wax and wane and wax and wane. But we'll just have to see because these are, this is the this is the, you know, the wars and the rumors of wars all over the place. We got real wars and we got rumors of wars. All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're deep in it. All right. We're we're up to our uh, we're up to our necks and rattlesnakes and alligators End times rattlesnakes and alligators. Thank you, Jesus. Right, kids. All right. Well, it's about time for crying out loud. Now I don't have to change the name of the, the radio show to, like, Tribulation Maybe. Thank you, Jesus. All right, now. It's now. Next one up. Beijing urges Chinese citizens to leave the Ukraine. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, but. You're good. <laughs> Thanks, Captain Obvious. I was on a totally different track. Next one up. United Nations overwhelmingly rejects Russia's illegal annexation of the Ukrainian regions. All right, next headline. All right, Elon Musk discovers Ukrainian kill list. The U.S. billionaire said it's concerning that a database of public enemies exists. <laughs> it's like, dude, pull your head out of the Tesla. Stop, you know. Oh, anyway, whatever. Boy, if he had any idea, boy, he'd be, oh, whatever. Oh, all right, next one up. Praise God. China's Xi makes Taiwan pledge. The Chinese leader has vowed to pursue reunification using all measures necessary. Now, without getting into all the other noise, there's also some rumbling coming out of China that he may be making some changes to their, essentially their, whatever they call their constitution, so that he ultimately becomes another Mao Zedong and will not be uh, subject to be, uh, replacement, which would not at all surprise me. That's just one torqued up country. But anyway, we're, I, unfortunately, I think we're going to get to see a little bit more of them. Unless we get out of here at the barley harvest, I'm pretty sure we're going to have to deal with them face-to-face -face at some point. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Deadly flash flooding batters Greek island of Crete. And we got a lot of that kind of stuff going. Listen to this one. 800 Soviet T-62 tanks from the 60s enter Ural Vagon Zavrod for repair. What are they doing that for? Oh, wow. They're fixing. Boy, they're really, I mean, I guess the thousands and thousands and thousands of tanks that I saw uh, being moved from uh, Belarus and uh, different parts of uh, Russia over into the uh, war zone uh, weren't enough. They need to get those other 800 fixed up, too. <laughs> wow. And then uh, listen to this. Uh, Kad Kadriov, world's most sanctioned man, says that 70,000 Chechens are ready to go into the Ukraine. That's on top of the 300,000. And the Chechen armies, whew, you don't want them knocking on your doors. They are, urb they are the best urban warfare military in the world. Hundreds of times better than our special ops. All right, praise God. These guys are scary. All right, next thing up. Inflation leading to horrifying food insecurity, according to the International Monetary Fund. And who would know better than they? Yeah, I know. 
Whatever. All right, praise God. Next one up. Morocco suffering the most severe drought in over 30 years. And, of course, we're not surprised about any of these droughts or floods. Argentina beaches are dotted with large whales, at least 30 dead whales amidst the mass uh, standing. Uh, or, I'm sorry, stranding. And these are, I don't know what kind of whales these are, but these are some big, big old whales. Um, let's see if it says here. Uh, I'm just curious. No, it's not saying what kind. All right. They're, it's probably woven somewhere deep into, into the article, but they're big. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Floods are inundating Australia as the country battles extreme weather, which, by the way, all the countries seem to be battling extreme weather at this time. Praise God. Next one up. Worst floods on record hit Nigeria. Over 1.4 million people affected and about 500 dead thus far. Okay, and this is, boy, they got an aerial view of this, and it, it kind of, oh, not good. Very bad, very bad. Pray, 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 pray. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. Where have they all gone? Alaskan snow crab season has been canceled as officials investigate mysterious disappearance of approximately 1 billion crabs. Unprecedented 90% drop in the population. Well. Not only did that leading guy of uh, most dangerous catch end up dying, but now they don't even have a show to do. Oh, well, anyway, so that's, that's just a messed up. Uh, anyway, praise God that the whole world is messed up. The whole world is upside down. It's like Isaiah 29 coming to life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Get us out of here. All right, next one up. Biohacking humans, people implanting chips in hands and their heads, and they're doing it voluntarily. It's a technological advancement that seemed incomprehensible a generation ago, but now it appears inevitable. From a microchip implanted subdermally to a robot learning to imagine itself and its own purpose and a tiny microprocessor implanted directly into the brain. Our lives are going to be intertwined with robots and artificial intelligence and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, your life? Not mine. Keep that noise away from me. Next one up. From the mirror, it says, elite Iranian troops secretly enter the Ukraine front line to help Putin's horror blitz. So now they're getting help from the Chechens. 70,000 troops there. We've got Iranians coming in to help out. Uh, Belarus? Are you kidding me? Belarus? Belarus is... <laughs> that, that isn't a wimpy little country, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Take a look at your map. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. This is gearing up to be something that is like totally. This is this is totally uh, uh, Jack Van Impey war with Russia. Hallelujah! The thirty-three and a half record LP that I listened to on my little Pioneer radio when I was ten, or my Pioneer uh, Super Turner, whatever. It was just anyway when I was like ten years old. I used to lay on my bed down in my bedroom. I ordered it over the mail. <clears throat> it was uh, being advertised on TV, and it came, and I. I sat there and put it on my record player and listened to The War with Russia with Jack Van Impey, 1972. Mapacor could lead to power outages in over 800,000 homes. Budget cuts for the Philippines. Electronic company Napacor. Next one up. India successfully test fires nuclear-capable ballistic missile from strategic striped submarine. Oh, great. Uh, we need that like we need a hole in our head. All right, the next one up. Royal Mail. This is like the United States Postal Service, except it's, you know, well, uh, 
Yeah, it says British. Okay, cool. You got to watch out with this royal this and royal that because that includes New Zealand, Australia, uh, Canada, and the UK. They all got the royal thing going on all the time. So, but no, this is the UK. Ten thousand jobs are going to be cut. Mano Daisy, that's a mess. All right, drying up the Mississippi River threatens the United States supply chain once again, according to the Wall Street Journal. And they've got like barges by the I don't even know how many there are, but there's a lot of barges that are loaded with supplies that are supposed to be moving up the Mississippi, and they are stuck. All right, and they're saying this is just going to add insult to injury. And where are we with that train, with the, with the uh, train uh, conductors, you know, the people that run the trains, that strike? I, I haven't heard an update on that. Uh, so they're probably still, you know, punching, punching their way through that agreement. And if that fails on top of everything else, well, it's really going to get, you know, but. You know, writings on the wall. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. List of biolabs handling dangerous viruses is being built worldwide. I wonder if they're going to include all of the ones that Russia brought forth to the uh, United Nations and gave them absolute proof existed, absolute proof that the United States was involved, and nobody paid any attention. Except me. Well, maybe some others. Uh, anyway, next one up. Russia foils attack on the Turk Stream pipeline. Saboteurs are arrested. And again, this is the last pipeline. All right? Turk Stream, and what it is, the plan, if they, uh, you know, and, and you can believe they're going to send in U United States Navy SEALs, because, you know, if they can't get somebody else to do it as a proxy, proxy warriors, they're going to probably bring in SEALs, but they want to blow it up. Because it's the last – because Russia is able to divert – it's going to take some doing, but they're going to, they're going to be able to divert their LNG <clears throat> or what, whatever form of gas that they want to run through it uh, to uh, Turkey. And then Turkey will be able to redistribute it out to Europe, which will save a lot of lives. But – you know, the seething, seething, seething evil, shape-shifting reptilians that are running this country, uh, you know, directly into, you know, the Great Tribulation, okay, they, they don't want that. They want people to die. <laughs> See, that's what befuddles the people, the, the pundits out there and the experts out there and the ex-CIA people, and they're looking at it, and they're like, what, why, why? don't they realize that they're cutting their own nose off despite their face? Yes, they do, because that's the master plan. Sorry, you're missing the most important point. Next one up. Praise God. Hold on. Exclusive Musk. Elon Musk, SpaceX, says it can no longer pay for critical satellite services in the Ukraine. Ask the Pentagon to pick up the tab. So he's hemming and hawing. One second he says I ought to do it. Then he says I'm not going to do it. Then he says it's too expensive. Then he says I shouldn't do it. And then the Pentagon myself and a little bit of it's all over the place. It's just like the uh, taking over Twitter, uh, Twitter. So anyway, next one up. Saudis. The Saudis say that Biden administration, when they were meeting with the Saudis, requested that oil production cut come after the midterms. So not only did they go over there and insult them and say all kinds of things, you should no, it's just I don't think it is my personal opinion that the Saudi um, petrodollar relationship will never, ever, ever recover. Because it's part of the master plan. Oh, and by the way, there's Greater Idaho is actually got on their ballot to secede from Oregon. They actually have sections of Greater Idaho that are part of Oregon, and they want to – it's on the ballot. 
They really, really mean it. They're, they want to secede. And by the way, there's probably a lot more than we realize. Another headline, January 6th committee lawmakers vote to subpoena Trump over the role in the attack on the Capitol. Guess what? Vote is in. They are subpoenaing Trump. They're bringing him in. So it isn't just Mar-a-Lago. They're also going to accuse him of creating the interaction. Are you hearing me? Think he's going to survive all that? Think he's going to just like magically and supernaturally be beamed by Gabriel into the Oval Office like a lot of the Seven Mountains people are saying? What do you think? What do you think? Kim Jong-un claims that his nukes are ready for actual war. California drought withers tomatoes and grocery prices are going higher. Oh, no surprise there. And on that note, let's bring on Sister Terry Hill. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Sister Terry, are you there? Yes, I'm here, John. Can you hear me? You sound really good. Thanks for joining us tonight. Sorry I ran over so far, but, uh, well, as you know, I was out of town and all that kind of stuff, and I had to do a little bit of a catch-up tonight to get everything caught up, and we are caught up, and praise Jesus for that. And now um, I am so happy uh, to turn the microphone over to you and just let the Holy Spirit take over this, uh, the rest of the program and, uh, and listen to this awesome message, the, uh, the faithful church at the end of the age. Thank you, Terry, so much for joining us tonight. God bless you. Well, thank you, John, for having me. And blessings to my brothers and sisters in Christ. As always, loved ones, if you are requesting prayer or if you would like a copy of the show notes, uh, you can contact me at a word in due season. 777 at gmail.com. And um, also, if you'd like to visit the website, that would be a word in due season.com. So let's open with prayer. Father, I thank you so much for this time that you've given. I thank you for the grace that you've given for this program to even be a reality. And now I'm asking, Father, you put your word into my mouth that I might, by your spirit, strengthen, exhort, build up uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And to you be the glory, sir. May Jesus alone be exalted and lifted up this night in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you know, John, it's, it's interesting you were talking about the weariness and the fatigue um, from your recent trip. And, you know, as we get older, this is something that uh, is, I have to deal with continually. It seems you know, as the outer man is perishing and hopefully the inner man is being renewed day by day. Boy, I'm telling you, um, being a grandma and a senior citizen, uh, the body doesn't have the energy that it used to have. And boy, I tell you what, I know where my strength comes from and I can glory in my weakness in that because God knows our limitations. But uh, by his grace, he can work through us to his glory and for his honor. You know, I'm thinking about uh, John, who was on the island of uh, Patmos, and in Revelation 1-9, John says, I also am your brother, and I'm your companion in tribulation, in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. And I'm so grateful for those who paid a price, who wrote the word of God 
for those who have translated the word of God into English for us. And I'm so grateful to those who have paid a price, regardless of what their um, job, their commission assignment was. I rejoice in those who are faithful to the Lord. I'm so thankful. Um, The Holy Spirit had given me, I was impressed by him, to bring the message called the faithful church at the end of the age. So what I want to do is go through some things and just touch on some things because I think there may be people listening that uh, are practically new to the program or haven't, um, have only been acquainted with us for a couple of years. Um, I've been with John for many years now and he has many of my teachings, but I want to go over some clarify and to lay a foundation. Um, in, in scripture, we read about three different terms. I want to use, I want to define the, fir, the term former days because we see former days, last days, and the close of the age, which also uh, would be the end of the age. So when we read in scripture about the former days, this is referring to the Old Testament and the uh, covenant that God made with his people Israel. The last days means this is the church age, okay? And that would be since the day of Pentecost. So the last days are also called the latter days. But my message tonight, and in fact, the day we are living in now, is what the Bible calls the close of the age or the end of the age. And in Matthew's Gospel 24, the disciples asked Jesus, uh, what will be the sign of your coming at the close or end of the age. Now, this is where we are right now. We're not in the former days. We're beyond the last days. We are at the close of the age, the end of the age. And in uh, that chapter in Matthew 24, I know everyone's familiar with it. I'm actually not going to turn there, but the one thing that Jesus described more than anything else, he talked about wars, rumors of wars, uh, earthquakes. He talked about uh, many things. But four times he mentions the word deception or deceit. So he mentions deception four times more than anything else that he talked about. Now, we are all feeling the birth pangs. We are, are hearing the, the drum, uh, the war drums beating. We are watching things happening. We're seeing the acceleration of many, many things. But what I want to do is encourage my brothers and sisters tonight, because God does have a faithful people. He does have people who love him and are walking with him. And Revelation 17, 14 talks about the fact, it says that those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Now notice that. They're called, chosen, and faithful. And all through the word of God, we see that When we talk about a faithful church, in fact, I wanted to find the word church because that Greek word means the called out ones, the ecclesia. Okay, so we're talking about human beings here. We're not talking about a structure. We're not talking about the structure of Christendom, and we're not talking about simply professing churchianity and the organization. Okay, so we're talking about a people, and those faithful people within the ecclesia, who are the called out ones, we also refer to them as the the remnant or overcomers. So um, that's just some terminology that I wanted to start with at the beginning here. And 
when I started writing this, it just kept coming, coming, coming. And, and I thought, wow, Lord, I think we have, this is more than a one-part message. But the first thing I was impressed about, the attributes of the faithful church and the faithful church at the end of the age, the close of the age, is number one, she loves the Lord Jesus Christ above all else. I mean, it is the person of Christ. It's not the love of any blessing. It's not the love of ministry. It's not the love even of our brethren, although that's important, but the person of Jesus Christ. And in Deuteronomy 6, 5, it says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And so as God continues to change our hearts, to conform us into the image of his own son. We want to continue to look through the word of God, and the Old Testament has so much to say. Um, We've talked about the Old Testament, uh, as a matter of fact, being a shadow. And the Old Testament uh, time, the New Testament is actually concealed. But in the New Testament, the Old Testament is explained. So the Old Testament is the shadow. The New Testament is the reality. And there's some things that we can go over tonight that I think will be helpful uh, because Jesus has been um, really um, impressing upon me the adulterers that he sees among those whom call themselves Christians. Now, we know according to James 4.4 that friendship with the world makes us an enemy of God. In fact, James uses the terminology, ye adulterers and adulteresses. So uh, it's pretty straightforward. He's a straight shooter, and he says it as it is. So the first scripture I'd like to take you to is into Isaiah. And chapter 4, I just want to read it to you. It says in Isaiah 4, verse 1, for seven women are going to take hold of one man in that day, saying, we will eat our own bread and wear our own clothes. Only let us be called by your name. Take away our reproach. So what this is revealing and on through uh, verse 6, the Lord is, is talking to us here about a picture. I believe that this is revealing a picture of the church as a whole, the professing church. Uh, again, seven women, and we know that there are seven churches described in the book of Revelation. So seven is a important number. It's a number of completion. And uh, so I believe that Isaiah 4 in these first six verses are talking about a picture of the church as a whole, the professing church and as a remnant, actually, seven women who are taking hold of one man. So this is a picture of the church as a whole uh, and Jesus being the one that they want to be married to. In other words, they're saying we want our reproach removed. We want forgiveness of sin. We want to be washed of our guilt. We want marriage. Uh, But the thing is, they want their shame and their condemnation taken away, okay? They want to be married to him, but they want it on their own terms. So these seven women are saying we want to eat our own bread and we want to wear our own apparel. So all throughout professing Christendom and within that group, we find a faithful church. We find a faithful called out ones, the ecclesia, okay? Some want to eat their own bread. In other words, they want to feed on that, which appeals to their appetites, and they actually, in fact, have a diet to sustain their itching ears. There are plenty of voices out there that are doing that today, okay? That's 2 Timothy 4. 
and they want to wear their own apparel. They want to cover themselves with false coverings. Uh, They want self-appointed mantles. They want self-appointed titles, religious traditions. And the scriptures tell us in verse 4, it says, But the Lord will wash away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purge the bloodshed of Jerusalem from her midst by two things, by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning. Now, John was talking earlier, Brother John was talking about a baptism in fire, and we've talked about this in times past. So the scriptures are telling us that the filth of the daughters of Zion, of these seven women, must be washed away. And the blood of those in Jerusalem must be purged. And so from this passage in Isaiah, we see that the church is purged by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning, which is a purifying fire. The word of God talks about a baptism of fiery trials. So there is a true church, a remnant, overcomers, and a professing church. Both can be identified by their fruit. Okay, so the ministry that God is using, the true voice that is coming out of the wilderness, all right, is in fact preparing the way of the Lord. And it's calling for individuals to bring forth fruits under repentance. Repentance and repent is the first word delivered by John the Baptist when we look in the Gospels, okay? And this ministry is found in the wilderness, and it brings a clear message of returning back to God. And It arises before the appearance of the Messiah, and so it brings a spirit of righteous judgment, okay, and it discerns and it separates the precious from the vile. It comes with the spirit of burning, and it ushers in a baptism of fire. So if you and I are listening to ministries and voices that truly are voices that the Lord has raised up, we're going to hear some things that may be difficult or challenging. We're going to hear other things that are going to comfort us. But we need to understand with a baptism of fire and the fiery trials that must come, all right, uh, they are going to purge us and cleanse us of that wood, that hay, that stubble, those dead works in our lives that we may or may not even see. And Jesus said that a tree can be recognized by the kind of fruit that it produces. So One of the things, one of the attributes of God's faithful church is that she's bearing fruit, and that fruit remains. So if we talk about spiritual adultery, now we all understand adultery in natural terms, but if our worldly pursuits, if we have other loves, political, economic loves with which we are intimate, and these things are taking precedence over our intimacy with Christ, God calls that adultery. But here's the thing. The harlot of Babylon, okay, let me just pause and say this. The harlot of Babylon is being prepared by the spirit of Antichrist. We need to understand that even as the Holy Spirit is preparing the faithful church for the coming of Jesus Christ, the spirit of Antichrist is preparing the harlot, apostate church, And the false religious systems are preparing, the spirit is preparing for the revelation of Antichrist. And we all know that the stage will be set for a false peace and chaos will come first. We know, we've heard of this saying, order out of chaos. So 
Many, many things, as we know right now, are being engineered to usher in that chaos and collapse so a new order can come in. And this will be, as we know, and it's being initiated by bloodlines who rule behind the scenes. We know about this. John has talked about this. And so what's happening now is, is we are being steered toward a global government as we are in the closing moments now, okay, we're at the close of the end of the age. We see these things being engineered, uh, pandemics, uh, COVID, Ukraine war, um, again, chaos being the vehicle to help implement the draconian measures and the control that is being thrust upon the people and the political agenda and the creation of food shortages and deliberate interference with the distribution of goods. It goes on and on and on. In the midst of all of this, beloved, we are watching this unfold, but the faithful church is staying focused on her king, all right? And she is placing her focus upon the Great Commission, all right? And because we are seeing in the church of Laodicea, because we live in the age of Laodicea, we're seeing what I have personally witnessed as what I want to call false conversions or man-made methods to acquire converts. In fact, Jesus uh, addressed this with the, um, uh, the religious. In Matthew 23, he talked about how they trouble land and sea to make one convert, and you make them twice the sons of hell as yourself. Now, here's the thing. Laodicea actually means the people's opinion or the judgment of the people or the people's rights. So this is marked by a wide road, an all-inclusive man-centered gospel which appeals to the masses. The lukewarm church rejects the personal application of the cross of Jesus Christ. It doesn't preach or embrace the full counsel of God. Now I want to take you into... 1 Kings 12, because there's something important that I would like you to see. In 1 Kings 12, I want to talk to you about a king named Jeroboam, okay? And we can read about him in 1 Kings 12, starting at verse 27. I see um, a direct correlation here, a, a great similarity. Again, Old Testament uh, types and shadows. I see this today. And if we can remember um, that Moses, what Moses wrote and what the prophets wrote, okay, Jesus said to the religious community, if you believed Moses and the prophets, you would know who I am, basically. But they didn't believe it. Some of them, in fact, had these um, books memorized. It was remarkable. They memorized so much of the scripture and they knew that what the prophet said, but they could not recognize Jesus in their midst. They missed that visitation uh, for different reasons. Number one, because they were prideful. Number two, it, they were so blind, they couldn't see it. Now, King Jer Jeroboam introduced a false altar and false worship. He actually instituted his own order, a substitute order, a church of ease and convenience. He made two calves of gold. He put one of them in Bethel, and he put the other one in Dan, okay? So um, let me just go ahead and start reading this to you, because I want you to hear what Scripture says. 
this is what he said. If the people go up to sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of the people are going to turn to Rehoboam. So he's competing with another king here, all right? So um, he's afraid of being killed. Verse 28, so the king, Jeroboam, made two calves of gold. Again, obviously this is idolatry. God did not approve. God hates idolatry. But this guy was wanting to set up two different places where the people could worship, two separate calves of gold, because he said, it's too hard for you to go to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel. This is what brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And we remember the people created a calf of gold when they were at the foot of the mountain. Moses was up on the mount. And here they have this idol of gold that they were worshiping. Verse 29 says, he put one in Bethel, he put the other one in Dan. And scripture says in verse 30, this became a sin because the people wanted to worship before one. And then he made a house of high places. He made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. Verse 32 says he ordained his own feast. Now, so this is what this guy did, okay? He's competing with another king by the name of Rehoboam. And he didn't want to lose the allegiance of the people. He wanted to make this order, this church, easy for the people. He didn't want to lose the allegiance to the people to King Rehoboam. So what he did is he built shrines and he appointed priests who were not Levites. Okay? So this was a sin because um, the Levites produced the priestly order. And the third thing he did is basically he devised the first seeker-sensitive church of ease and convenience. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about the priesthood that God ordained because there are probably those who are listening who have not heard uh, a message on the priesthood and what they actually did and what God um, insisted upon. With regard to the priesthood, These were consecrated for office. They had to be dressed. They had to be washed. They had to be consecrated. Now, we know the New Testament tells us that God's people are a a chosen generation, a holy priesthood. So when we talk about a New Testament priesthood, we can see details of that priesthood in the Old Testament because, again, it's a type and a shadow. Now, let's talk about the duties of the priest for a minute because This is something that we need to know and understand as a foundation. First of all, the priest maintained the tabernacle. And if you would like the notes on this, or if you'd like me to mail some information to you, I'm happy to do it, okay? They would maintain the tabernacle. God said that his tabernacle had to be made according to a pattern. In fact, um, in Hebrews 8, 5, uh, God said, make sure you build everything. Uh, according to the pattern that I showed you on the mount. So there actually was a pattern for the tabernacle, and then there was a priesthood who would officiate at that tabernacle. So I want to talk about the priesthood for just a minute. Um, To begin with, uh, they had to be holy. They were set apart. And Leviticus 21, there were even things listed uh, that were necessary uh, uh, guidelines. If there were certain... Uh, physical defects on those priests, again, 
We need to understand that these are a type and shadow. These are character flaws. And you can read about those in Leviticus 21. God said, I can't have anybody serving the people, offering the bread, if they have character flaws. Okay, so that's in Leviticus 21. But what I want to talk to you right, about right now is uh, the priests were the ones who burned the incense. And again, this is a perpetual incense. And in the New Testament, we know that we're to pray without ceasing. And each of these priests had to bring a gold censer in their hand. It was like a fire pan uh, for prayer, and there was incense in there. And so there were there were ways that God said, "This is there are ways and a pattern that I want my people to come before me." Okay, and God had actually recipes that He ordered for the incense. And anything that was not followed according to biblical pattern, uh, we could call strange fire. So there are practices that we can read about in the Old Testament that we can see in the New. And I want to talk just a little bit about that. So the priests had to burn the incense. They had to offer sacrifices, uh, their time, their talent, and their treasure. They blew the trumpets. Now, Blowing a trumpet is a declaration and a heralding and a publishing of the word of God. So the voice of God is a clear word. It's like a trumpet. And the scripture says that John, the, um, uh, the apostle John was caught up into heaven at the sound of a trumpet. So priests would announce the jubilee. They would announce when the camp was moving. They would announce if war was coming. Um, there were all kinds of things that they did with regard to the trumpets. And so the priests need to be hearing correctly. They carried the ark. And it's interesting that each of us, if we are born again, we carry the presence of God by the Spirit. So they were carrying the ark on wooden staves. The priests did that. They taught the law. Um, and under the New Testament, we know that God writes on the tablets of our heart. They would teach the law, and under the new covenant, that would be the spirit of life, freedom from condemnation, freedom from the law of sin and death. Beloved, thank God we're free from the law of sin and death. And they teach the royal law of love. Thank God for it. They teach justification by faith. The righteousness of God has redeemed us from the curse of the law. What else do priests do? They light the lamps. Okay, and there had to be fresh oil every day. Beloved, if we don't have that fresh oil every day and they try to set fire uh, and light that candlestick, uh, there's a problem. So there has to be fresh oil every day. That lampstand was actually filled from above. So that's a picture of a New Testament priesthood who had to be filled from above. Oil of the Holy Spirit literally would like saturate the wicks of the lamps. And that's our humanity. That's what he does is his oil saturates us and he lights us on fire and his ministers become the flames of his fire. And by the way, Jesus knows how to trim our wicks, doesn't he? So boy, he's cutting away those fleshly things. He's cutting away all of that that is dead because he's trimming those things away. Jesus said, I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. And he talked about uh, how we are the branches of the vine and any branch that is bearing fruit, he's going to trim us so that we'll bear more fruit. So we're being cut back. And if fruit is being produced, he'll cut back and uh, he knows what he's doing. So he ignites us like a candle, beloved, and he sets us in the dark places. So the priesthood 
were involved in lighting those lamps. And so they're partaking of the light uh, from the dawning of a new day. Boy, once we come to Christ, God turns the light on. It's like you could walk into a, a, a dark room, but when you turn on the light switch, you see things that you didn't know that were there. That's what happens when we are illuminated by the Holy Spirit. And those priests also continued the sacred fire. Okay, so rebellion and self-will is strange fire. So that's why God is dealing with us. He's dealing with our rebellious old nature. He's helping us to cut off or not allow anything that we would kindle ourselves. So there are fires that are kindled by men. And this is not the kind of worship that the Lord talks about in uh, John's Gospel, Chapter 4. They also would purify the unclean. So um, the priesthood has a revelation of the cleansing that comes through the blood. They offered the sacrifices in the outer court because that tabernacle was set up. I'll talk about that in just a minute. Because what I I want us to understand is what King Jeroboam did uh, in the Old Testament a very long time ago. We're seeing a similarity now in a dead church in the climate of Laodicea, which, in fact, is going to be a religious climate for the mark of the beast. And they purify the unclean, all right? They speak the word, and they bring a cleansing to the leprous ones, okay? So if uh, if there was a leper, as you know, they were put outside the camp, um, but there's a, a, a leprosy called sin in the Bible, and We can speak the word, and there's a washing that comes through the water of the word, and um, they bring deliverance to those who are troubled by unclean spirits, and they bless the people. So God's priesthood blesses the people, okay? Uh, And they bless those who revile them and persecute them, which is actually a normal part of walking with Jesus Christ. Persecution, misunderstanding, rejection and betrayal is normal in the Christian life when we are walking with him on a straight and narrow path. And also the priests cause others to inherit a blessing. And thank you, Lord, for a kingdom of priests. So there are qualifications in both Old and New Testaments. Number one, there has to be the right birth lineage. We have to be born again. The priesthood has to be free from blemishes, okay? They have to be mature. They have to reach a certain age. I believe it was the age 30 uh, when they could begin their priestly ministry. And also, they were anointed under both old and new covenants. Now, when a congregation slides back from the original biblical pattern, then we see a slide into apostasy. We see a a desperate situation. I want to talk briefly about the feast that God has ordained because King Jeroboam actually invented and made his own priest. So there were actually man-made priests for his man-made feast. All right, so what he did is he appointed people that didn't qualify according to God's word. And so when there are individuals trying to offer the bread, because priests did that, they would offer the bread, and there were blemishes in their character, or they didn't qualify, or the maturity level was not there, Uh, the character uh, was not there, the integrity was not there, the faithfulness was not there. We have 
a backslidden lukewarm state. Now let me comment just briefly about the feasts of the Lord because these are God's feasts. When he wrote this, um, his uh, pattern and he described the feast in Leviticus chapter 23, he mentioned seven feasts. Again, seven being uh, that number of completion, but they were combined into three major feasts, okay? And let me just address this. The first feast described Passover, and Passover points to the new birth and redemption. Now, we know Passover was when the blood was applied to the doorpost just prior before God's people leaving Egypt. Okay, so we see a picture of the fulfillment of that with the death of the Messiah, Jesus, who is our Passover lamb. So Passover speaks to us about a new beginning. Okay, saved from the destroyer, redeemed by the blood. The next feast is unleavened bread. All right, so first of all, we have to be born again. And the tabernacle in the wilderness that was constructed, when the people came there, the first thing they saw was they saw this brazen altar, okay? And they would bring their sacrifices, and that's a picture of the cross, all right? So there was a gate. They would actually go through the gate, and they would present an animal uh, on the brazen altar, and the priest would offer those up. The next one is unleavened bread. Now, after we leave Egypt, after we're born again, after the new birth, God described what's called the leavened bread, okay? And that's the putting away of leaven out of our lives. And this is the offering of the Lord's sinless body, and uh, it's ridding the house of leaven. And I'll talk about that more in just a minute, but that's the second feast. The third feast is called the Feast of First Fruits, all right? And this points to the barley. This is the first grain that ripens. The barley ripens before the wheat. There's a barley harvest in Israel, and there's a wheat harvest in Israel, and there are other harvests. But the barley was the first grain to ripen, and it speaks of a forthcoming harvest, all right? And so this is symbolic of resurrection. Jesus is the first fruits of those that rose from the dead. And so it speaks to us about arising to walk in newness of life, okay, to know him and the power of his resurrection, all right? And so those three feasts combined were uh, the first set. Now, the next feast is Pentecost. That's being filled, that's symbolic of being filled with the Holy Spirit and the necessity necessity of being baptized in the spirit there's a baptism in water there's a baptism with the holy spirit there's a baptism in fire a baptism into his body but this being filled with the holy spirit induces god's people with power all right so the church is his body right and so this power gives you and i when we yield to it, when we are filled to overflowing, beloved, and by the, by the way, there are many fillings with the Holy Spirit, and it is a continual thing. It's kind of like the oil. We have to be continually filled. We have to ask him, continue to fill me with your oil of your Holy Spirit, Lord. So he's looking for fruit 
And this speaks to us also of the gifts, the ministry gifts given by the Spirit, okay? So the baptism of the Spirit empowers us, enables us. The next feast is called the Feast of Trumpets. Now, Jesus fulfilled the first three feasts in his first coming. Um, When the Spirit of the Lord was poured out uh, upon the church, that's the birthday of the church, Pentecost. Now, the next three feasts, okay, are the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and Tabernacles. We have to talk about this because these three events blend together to form one great feast, okay? So the Fall Feast speak to us of the pathway into God's glory, and it points to the second coming of Jesus Christ and that which occurs just prior to his coming. And and so the Feast of Trumpets, let's talk about that for just a minute. It's a wake-up call, all right? So it's blown by the priest. So if the priesthood, if the faithful priests are operating according to the word of God, they're going to be blowing the trumpets. It's a clear, living word of the Lord which leads and directs the nation. Okay, and it's a calling, a blowing to cause the people to draw nigh, to depart from Egypt and their old life, uh, to declare a new season. Jesus was and is the clear living word. And he began to introduce his message of perfection. Now, when I say perfection, I'm talking about maturity because that is the definition, right? And completion. So there's a perfection and a completion in Christ, and we're still in the process. It's leaving Pentecost now to enter into fullness because tabernacles points to um, fullness, being brought into full adoption. We have a full adoption coming, beloved. We're going to be clothed with a new body. So this call is to come to maturity. That's a high calling to grow up, to do warfare in the heavenlies, and God is preparing us. And as we get closer now to the coming of the Lord with the Feast Day of Atonement, that's the next one, it is a call to repentance, cleansing, purification, and sanctification. Amen. And this relates to a baptism of fire as we humble ourselves, as we present ourselves before him. It's Stepping beyond the rent veil. So we talk about the rent veil. We're talking about the old man uh, being crucified. We're talking about that which has been rent. And it's a call to come into God's fullness. And this is a time of great sifting and testing for the church. And I believe that time is upon us. I really do. Uh, And tabernacles being the final feast is the fullness. All right, and so Israel dwelt in booths, right? They had to construct booths to live in for a certain period of time. But it points to the full adoption and the redemption of our body, okay? God is going to have his sons fully grown and brought into the image of Jesus Christ, and he knows how to do it in each of us. When Jesus appears in his second coming, when he appears, there will be a people who will be ready and they will, in fact, rule and reign with Christ, will be caught up together to meet the Lord. We will ever be with him. 
and it will be Jesus himself who sets up his kingdom. Now, I'm going through all of this because what we're seeing now is we're seeing an age of Laodicea. We're seeing an age where people have turned from the ancient past. We're seeing an age and a time of apostasy as mentioned in 2 Thessalonians 2.3. We're seeing, in fact, the Holy Spirit said to me, A, B, C, D, apostasy, blindness, corruption, and deception, all right? A, B, C, D. He said, this is what I'm seeing. He said, before my faithful, you must understand, keep persevering, keep pressing through weariness, keep pressing through trials, hardness, tribulation, betrayal, and greater persecution that most certainly is coming. Beloved, I am convinced that um, God's people and the overcomers, those are overcoming with him. God is calling that people out to the wilderness. It's a lonely place. It's, it's not a place of comfort. The comfort comes by the Holy Spirit. But I, I believe when I talk about um, the called out people, and I talk about a remnant, I talk about overcomers, I believe they'll be moving more and more into small home groups, house churches, and then eventually to an underground church due to persecution and the surveillance system and the mark of the beast that will be implemented. And yes, I do believe we will be here to see these things unfold. But I also know in scripture is clear that God's people are not appointed to wrath. Wrath is reserved to be poured out upon the Antichrist and the beast kingdom, his kingdom. And we are not of that kingdom. So what we're watching right now is we're seeing a greater separation coming. King Jeroboam, who invented the substitute order, okay? And again, many who have a profession of faith, but there's no oil, okay? So they're not operating like the priests that God wants us to be. And all of us certainly are having areas cut away in our life. He's cutting our wicks because he wants us to be filled even more with that oil. We have to buy that oil. In fact, Jesus told the church of Laodicea, they have to repent. And there's some things that we buy from him, okay? Uh, We have to buy true riches from him. And that's the gold of purified faith which is refined and tested by fire. That's Revelation 3.18. He said, you have to have white garments. He says, you have to buy that from me, okay? And these white garments are going to be clean and pure, free of spots, blemishes and wrinkles. These priests had to be clean. They had to put on clean garments every day. They had to be washed. And as they entered the tabernacle in the wilderness, They first came to the gate, okay? So they saw a picture of the cross, right? In the outer court, we have the gate, and then we have uh, the brazen laver, okay? And all of these things are pointing to our journey, right? The brazen altar speaks of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross at Calvary. The next thing that was right after that, was the bronze laver. So it speaks to us of being cleansed through the word of God. It's repentance and water baptism. That was the outer court. There were three parts of this tabernacle. All right. And as they moved forward, as these priests moved forward, the next thing that they saw uh, on the left was the golden candlestick. So this represents being 
baptized in the Holy Spirit with the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit being manifested. Then there was the table of showbread, which is the partaking of Christ's body and blood, okay? It's symbolic of fellowship with him. And the next item in the holy place, all right, the outer court had the brazen altar and the bronze laver. In the holy place, again, this is where the priests performed their functions. There was the altar of incense, and it speaks to us of intercession and praise and our life poured out in consecration to God. So this Old Testament priesthood is pointing to a New Testament royal priesthood, but the qualifications are still the same. And God goes into great detail and says they're going to be holy. There will be no blemishes in them. And finally, in the most holy place, two things. There's the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat covering. So the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God, which contained the Ten Commandments, okay? And this is where Aaron's rod was placed in there, and the pot of manna was on the inside. And then the mercy seat covering. Thank God for his mercy. This mercy covers us continually. So the mercy seat and the Ark of the Covenant fit together. They represent God's covenant with man and divine judgment on Satan. So when we look at the Old Testament tabernacle, there is an order, all right? God is a God of order. He wants his house in order. He wants our lives in order. He's setting priorities in order. So the pattern of all of these things was given in Exodus chapters 25 to 30. Now, I know there's a lot there. Again, if any of you would like this information, I'm happy to send it along to you. So right now, there's a purchasing, a buying of the oil that is necessary, beloved, because as these events continue to unfold at the close of the age, the end of the age, which is in fact the days that we are living in, there will be a faithful church who are walking with Jesus, and there will be those who are departing from him. They're falling back into the world. They're dropping the cross, but they don't want to pick it back up. Now, all of us miss the mark. Don't misunderstand me. We all miss the mark, and we run to him when we do that, and we confess our sin, and we get up, and we keep going. But there's a greater schism, if I could use that word, division occurring now as we're seeing that the apostate woman or the backslidden woman, when I use the word woman, um, that's figurative of the church, all right, she's flirting with the world still, all right? So the bride, the one who wants to be married to Christ, the one who is washing her garment, the one who is buying the eye salve, which gives her eyes to see, she's faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, her husband, while religiosity, while dead churches, while others are functioning through the strength of human ability, desire, and their own ambition, the bride is coming to the place, again, the faithful church is coming to the place where she is leaning more and more upon the strength of God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. 
The darker it gets, the more we need the oil to see in the dark. We're seeing a backslidden, apostate, lukewarm church kindling and utilizing a strange fire, all right, while the bride is being purged by God's holy fire. We're seeing the apostate and those who are speaking their own words. They're prophesying out of their own heart. They're going to other sources to bring their messages. Uh, We see that these, and many times their words are excessive because their tongue is unbridled. But we're finding now, if you're finding what I'm experiencing, my speech is is becoming more and more restrained. The Lord puts the bit and the bridle in the mouth of the horse, right? He wants our tongues to be tamed. He wants us to allow him to be master and Lord. Let him take the reins, all right? Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so there is a restraint. There is an order because the faithful church are following God's divine order. And Saul's house, for example, let's talk about that for a minute. Saul's house is out of order. We read about Saul. We read about in 1 Samuel 15, 16, in the book of Kings, we read about Saul's house. He began actually in the anointing, but he ended in witchcraft. So we're seeing here, as we do today, a charismatic leader who has status or wealth and many gifts, but the ministry is being marked by human wisdom and strength, okay? Saul led the people by his soulish abilities. Instead of obeying the word of God, he knew how to stimulate and stir up the people to promote his kingdom. So these are done through soulish message. Okay, Saul was rejected by God. There's a lot we could say about him, but I don't have the time to go into that right now. He was rejected by God because of disobedience. He kept the spoils of war. He lied. He disobeyed God. And sadly, Saul could fool the people, but he couldn't fool God. That which began with the anointing ended in witchcraft because the counterfeit will self-destruct. Saul committed suicide, and he lost his sons. So Saul's house is out of order. In comparison, we see the characteristics of David, who is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom. We see prayer and worship as as a way of life. We see David was found in the secret place. We see that David was a warrior from his youth. He fed the sheep and the troops because Saul starved his army. Beloved, the word of God is what fills those who are hungry. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. The word of God fills us, preparishes us, nourishes us. And David had a harp in his hand, but Saul had a javelin in his hand. Saul actually tried to throw his javelin at David, fasten him to his own wall. Okay, that's what the religious group will do. They want to fasten you to their wall. And David and his company suffered persecution. They all fled to the cave of Adullam. But God chose David and those of his kingdom because 
David um, truly showed that God's victories weren't achieved by man's methods or equipment. Goliath fell because David knew where his strength came from. We talked about that before as well. And so there was actually a point in time when the tabernacle of the congregation in Israel's history was separated from the tabernacle of David. And that which was in the tabernacle of David was the ark of God, the very presence of the king comes to a place that's prepared. And beloved, that's what we all are. We are all tents, okay? We have this earthly suit. We have this tent. So there's a separation that's taking place. And again, God's faithful church is following his order. Even as there was a separation from the tabernacle of David in Israel's history, from the tabernacle of the congregation, David had that which was most necessary, the very ark of God, the presence of the God being held in a tent. And that's a picture of a new covenant people. Another thing that is out of order in the house of God is Jezebel. And she personifies the spirit of false religion. In fact, she's a metaphor for the harlot church. Jezebel uses deceit to acquire the vineyard of Naboth in 1 Kings 21. And so we see this, uh, and Jesus talked about it in uh, his message to the seven churches. He talked about uh, Jezebel's influence. Uh, Jezebel uh, desires and her husband desire uh, the vineyard of Naboth. Uh, They want the local church. They want to come in and manipulate and dominate and bring in seduction. Uh, and, And some of this is, so bad, beloved. It's this uh, influence, this spirit that is behind the scenes manipulating. And this is taking place today. This is why so many of God's people are having to come out. They are seeing this manipulation. Another group in scripture in the Old Testament that were out of order was Korah and his assembly of leaders. Korah actually assembled a group of leaders. These were the leaders. They were popular with the people. Uh, but they uh, came with the wrong spirit. The rebellion that they brought against Moses and Aaron led to their death. Literally, the earth swallowed up and um, swallowed them up, and they fell into the depths of the earth. They were out of order. And so we're seeing not only this situation like with Korah uh, desiring um, places in the ministry or desiring to be seen by others uh, when God has not called them to do that. Uh, Balaam also is out of order. We see, we read about him in Numbers, and Jesus talked about, Revelation, in Revelation 2.14, he talked about Balaam. He rushes after gain. This guy's out of order. He set up a stumbling block in Israel, causing other people to sin. And Jesus is seeing the stumbling blocks in his house, and he is dealing with it. Uh, Others in scripture that were out of order were Diotrephes, Philetus, Alexander the coppersmith, Hymenaeus, and these men were named in scripture. Again, the faithful church are in order. There are many in the household of faith uh, who God sees, and I want to talk to you now for a minute. There's so much more I wish I could share, but due to a lack of time, I can only cover so much, but certainly we'll pick it up. God willing, the next time we come together, the faithful church is abiding in the secret place. 
but there are others dwelling under the shadow of Egypt, okay? So God calls us out of Egypt in that when we look at the Passover, we come out of Egypt, we have to leave the practices of Egypt behind. We can't take cover under the shadow of the world or the world system. Um, There are those in Scripture that we see that we're faithful. And Jesus is um, seeing and observing your faithfulness in your life where he has called you, in your assignment where he has placed you. There are many in Scripture that he talks about. There are glorious promises given to the overcomers. Let me talk just for a minute about a faithful messenger. You may not have heard of him. His name was Cushy, C-U-S-H-I. Cushy was one of David's servants, King David's servants. And you can read about him in 2 Samuel 18. He actually was one of the servants, okay, that ran with the message at the right time. Now, there was another there who wanted to run with the message, but his supervisor said, no, you don't have the right word at the right time. But Cushy did. He ran with the right message at the right time in obedience to his commander. So I believe that God's faithful messengers have the right word at the right time. And when God tells them to go, he sends them. Beloved, we cannot send ourselves. He sends us. If we are faithful and he shows us the whole picture, these things come by revelation. These things come by the spirit of God. Paul the apostle said, I didn't receive these things from man, from the arm of flesh. He said, God gave these things to me. And Cushy was faithful to run with the right message at the right time. Both Elijah and Micaiah were faithful prophets of the Lord. And they stood alone against hundreds of false prophets. You can read about them in First Kings. Job was steadfast in his faith toward God through all of his trials and losses and sickness and accusations that came against him. This is a righteous man. This is a man who loved God, who was a worshiper, and he stood faithful, and God vindicated him, and God will vindicate you as well. Now, Rahab in the Old Testament, as you know, we've talked about her. She was a harlot, but salvation came to Rahab in her household, and she was faithful to hide the Lord's spies, to follow their instructions just prior to the walls of Jericho coming down, This woman listened to the Lord's messengers, and they were protected when God's judgment fell on her city. Obedience, beloved, is a key. Obedience, listening, all right? And we know about Enoch. Enoch walked with God for 300 years, and he did not see death. He was translated by faith. He had the testimony that he pleased God. He was faithful in his generation, all right? And then there is Esther. She submitted to the necessary preparations which led her to the throne to become a queen. She prayed. She followed Mordecai's instructions. Mordecai was her cousin. He was like a father to her because she was an orphan. And because of her obedience, her submission to biblical authority, okay, again, God's house is a house of order. She spared her people from annihilation because she was obedient. Jeremiah was faithful to speak God's word. This man, wow, if you look at his life, he denounced false prophets, and boy, did he suffer for it. 
He endured incredible pain in his body. He talks about it. He endured isolation, false accusations, and imprisonment. This man was faithful. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel would not bow to the image. They would not participate in false worship. They were faithful to the Lord in the face of danger and death. And God has a faithful people who worship him in spirit and in truth. Others participate in a counterfeit worship. In fact, sadly, the music industry and entertainment has replaced what you and I would call true music ministry because so much of the time it utilizes emotionalism and hype via those foot pumps of Egypt. In other words, working it up to get a flow. That's Deuteronomy 11.10. It utilizes strange incense. It kindles a strange fire. Nadab and Abihu offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. They were not faithful. And we see that pagan worship was associated with idolatry and sensuality around an image. We talked earlier about a golden calf in the book of Exodus. And what the people did is they would perform and bow down at the sound of musical instruments. But worship, beloved, is true worship, is a cry of the heart. It is our lifestyle lived before the Lord. And though Um, expressions of music are used as we worship the Lord. I've seen in many places because God has allowed me to see that music in fact has become an idol. Music is not worship. All right. But it is intended to be used in worship and some worship in ignorance. They worship based upon their traditions or their superstition, but true worship beloved, for us is a, is a cry of our heart. It's our response to his holy presence, okay? And that comes through our mouth, certainly, through our hands, with the clapping, and through the body. And it's flowing with God like a river. It's cooperation with him. But the scripture talks about other kinds of worship, and it's counterfeit worship. And this stuff is taking place in assemblies, that are apostate and certainly backslidden. And there's what the scripture calls an external or will worship that is limited to a certain geographical location. For example, the woman of Samaria worshipped in a mountain in Jerusalem. It was the natural mind leading with natural ability, you see. Then there's what the Bible calls vain worship. Those who draw nigh with their mouths, but their hearts are far from God. They go through the motions. There are mechanical movements and rituals, but God says they're worshiping him in vain. That's Matthew 15, 8, 9. Then there's ignorant worship. It's sincere. It may be sincere, but it lacks truth and knowledge. As observed by Paul, Paul encountered those religious superstitious men in Acts chapter 17. They were holding their devotions at the altar of the unknown God, which in fact were demonic entities. They didn't know it. They were ignorant. But God wants worship in spirit and in truth. False worship includes worship at the altar of a desire for power, where an emphasis is placed on signs and wonders, or where the people crave supernatural manifestations. Now, Jesus reminds us 
And he brought it up, an evil and an adulterous generation is seeking after signs. But again, if we're flowing with God, it's not going to be worked up. Okay, true worship is not worked up. It's knowing his mind and then flowing in that channel. It's like a river. We're not straining, forcing, or pushing, or trying to manipulate God to do something. We move in smooth cooperation with him. So the scripture tells us that the river flows out of the temple, and it heals and restores the land. That's what Ezekiel 47 talks about. So there's a high praise, a heavenly praise, that's mingling with angelic praise, beloved, and the faithful church are entering into that place, what we call high praise, where we're worshiped. There's a constant worship in the heavenlies. There is worship continually in the presence of our Father. Hallelujah. There is a heavenly choir, beloved. There are spiritual songs of the Lord, and these can be songs of deliverance. They come up out of the belly. They rise right up. They're quickened by the Holy Spirit. It's spontaneous, coming right up out of the heart, and it's not the product of natural ability. All right? It's not a counterfeit. And God gives new songs. It's a creative song of praise, a song of the Lord. It's singing in the spirit. It's singing with the understanding, under the anointing and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. When God moves upon you, beloved, in your home or in a place or in a group, remember what Jesus sees. And, again, are altered the heart of a man. Okay? This is what's pleasing to him. And it never draws attention to self. It never draws attention to a gift. It is always done unto the Lord. So there's a worship in spirit and truth that the faithful church is entering into, beloved. And among this group are disciples on a narrow way because the faithful church are walking in a narrow way. And the closer we walk with him and the longer we walk with him, it does get more difficult, and it does seem to get more narrow, especially when we see people we love, but we recognize and are begin to be separated from the multitudes on the wide road that leads to destruction. And so what we're seeing now, uh, sadly, is the people that we love in our family, friends, in dead congregations, in places where there is no quickening power of the Holy Spirit, where there's no conviction, where there's no word of repentance, nor of the cross, or of obedience, we're seeing emerging of the pagan customs and practices in the land. We're seeing Babylonian objects and images in the temple. Ezekiel saw them in Ezekiel 8, and the Lord sees these things. They're embracing forbidden practices. There's, I'm seeing and hearing clairvoyance. This is a counterfeit of prophecy. Divination, which is foretelling by occult means. Mysticism. The observance of omens, visualization, and kundalini. False manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So while there are false manifestations of the Holy Spirit, there are also true manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And as we stay in the word, as we're faithful to the Lord, God has a people who will explain the difference between the holy and the profane. He'll raise up his messengers to say, can you see the difference between the clean and the unclean? Take forth the precious from the vile. Can you see this? Do you have light, enough um, oil in your lamp to have light to see? 
And another thing too, psychics, prognosticators can give a word, but true messengers will give the word. It will always line up with scripture. You will have a witness of the Holy Spirit. Again, let me say, psychics can give a word. Prognosticators can give a word. And with divination, we see these examples in the book of Acts, and we'll try to cover that the next time we're together. We see that there are true and false messengers, and many times they are accurate. Fruit. We have to look at the fruit. So Jesus reminds us a tree is known by the kind of fruit it produces. Look at the track record. Look at the lifestyle. Is there fruit? Is their house in order? Are the lives in order? One of the things that we can see and we come to recognize with false shepherds, false prophets, false teachers, false messengers can be identified Ezekiel 34, we need to keep that in mind. Keep looking back at Ezekiel 34. There are three things that are commonly found together with those that are false. Number one, there will be false doctrine. There will be corrupting and twisting of scripture and destructive heresies. They will introduce truth next to heresy. So they'll present both, okay? And then there will be a love of money or financial misconduct or a lack of accountability. Thirdly, there will be immorality. So there'll be a sexual deviation, adultery, immoral practices. So those three things, generally, you can identify if there is a false shepherd or prophet through false doctrine, the love of money, and immorality. Beloved, faithful, legitimate watchmen safeguard the church, they safeguard the truth, and they protect it and they defend it. Blind watchmen, and the word of God talks about it, are like sleepy, dumb dogs that can't bark. They won't warn the sheep. They see what's coming, and the scripture reminds us, as God told the prophet, he said, set the trumpet to your mouth. Again, priests, blow the trumpets. They bring the right word at the right time. They warn. They exhort. They say, we're moving in this direction. We're going to set up camp. They announce the feast days. All right? So the faithful church appoints shepherds who feed and guide and protect those sheep. Jesus loves his sheep. They are his sheep. If you are a a pastor, they are not your sheep, beloved. They are his sheep. And you have been given the privilege But sadly, there are hirelings and there are wolves that have crept in. Paul talked about it. He said, I'm afraid. He said, I know that wolves are going to come after my departure and are going to enter in. So a hireling is a common laborer who works for money. These are the ministry, quote, professionals. They're in it for the money. They're in it for the benefits. It's a profession for them. They don't truly care for the sheep. They don't warn the sheep. And then there are wolves prey upon and devour the sheep. But our father said, I'm going to appoint shepherds who are going to feed you because many of his sheep have been scattered. They've been diseased and they haven't been bound up. They haven't been healed. They haven't been restored. But God has a faithful people. And our father has glorious promises to those who are faithful, who are in fact overcoming by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. They're not loving their lives 
on their own. They lay down their lives for the sheep. They lay down their lives because they love the Lord Jesus. And there are glorious promises for them. And I'm going to have to wind this up. The time goes so quickly, beloved. But I I want to remind you that he that overcomes is going to eat from the tree of life. Beloved, we see a lot of trees out there, but all we see are leaves. We don't see fruit. There are some that make a good appearance, but they should be bearing fruit, and there's no fruit. We're seeing corrupt fruit. We're seeing vines that are being corrupted. We're seeing dead trees among the living. But the Lord says there are those who are overcoming. They're going to eat from my tree of life, okay? And the overcomer will receive a crown. There's a crown waiting for you. Did you know that? There are crowns in Scripture. They're emblems of glory and rewards. And the overcomer will escape the second death in the lake of fire. The overcomer will partake of hidden manna. That hidden manna, beloved, is kept hidden in the ark. That's where the pot of manna was kept. That's where Aaron's rod that was budded was in there, kept safely. Jesus is that bread of heaven, beloved. He will feed us with the right word at the right time. The overcomer is given a white stone. White stone is given by a judge indicating pardon. You're acquitted. Your sins have been covered by the blood. Your advocate has stepped in for you. Your great high priest has has spoken in your behalf. You have an advocate with the Father. That's Jesus. Glorious promises for the faithful. Beloved, I want to encourage you. I don't know what it is that you're going through, but you need to know that Jesus sees your faithfulness in the little things. Others may not see it, but he does. And there are rewards coming. And he who overcomes is going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And if it seems that his rod has come down upon you, because he does have a rod and a staff, right? He guides and he corrects. But if it seems that it's hard, it's because that rod is his unbending authority. And he's training the people now who are, in fact, are going to subdue the nations and participate in the complete defeat of rebels because they will rule and reign with Christ and his kingdom. So it may be hard, beloved. In fact, I'm going to say this. Some days are harder than others. It's not easy, but I will say this. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. And so with that, I want to close, and I want to thank you for what you do. I will probably never meet you on this side of the veil, but I want to thank you for your labor of love to the saints. I want to thank you for your patience. I want to thank you for your prayers for me, for Brother John, and for those who work behind the scenes at at Tribulation Now. I want to thank you for the great privilege of sharing God's word. Continue to be faithful, beloved, because I tell you, payday is coming. Jesus is coming soon. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. Thank you, John, and God bless you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, amen. Um, yeah, time does fly. And um, I, I wish I could superhuman myself sometimes, you know, but... Uh, but you know, we just gotta have patience. And what a great message! What what an encouraging message! What what you know? That's just the kind of you know word that we all need to hear to to be able to endure whatever version of challenges that 
God is bringing us through uh, so that we're able to deal with whatever it is he has lined up for us in the future uh, in in a graceful manner and also in a fruitful manner, to your point earlier, uh, you know, referring to John 15, 16, which is one of my favorite verses, praise God, which, which by the way, is uh, also my favorite because of the fact that it calls out that Jesus ordains us. So um, I think that's just a wonderful thing where uh, this, you know, kind of takes takes that notion that you've got to be ordained by some sort of a self-proclaimed, self-appointed group and uh, hands it over into the, you know, into our Lord's hands uh, where, where it belongs. Praise God. And so thank you so much, Sister Terry, for joining us tonight. God bless you. Uh, we always, always look forward to you joining us. I, I know because people email me again, a word in due season 777 at gmail.com or the website, a word in due season dot com. Uh, just like it sounds, a word in due season dot com. Praise God. So thank you so much for joining us, Terry. It's a powerful message and one that, again, is very encouraging and uh, definitely words that we need to all hear and embrace uh, as as we continue, you know, uh, in our journey uh, in, in preparation for the days that we have ahead of us. Um, what What a blessing. And thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you, John. Thank you, Terry. God bless you all. And, Lord willing, um, uh, no meteors uh, falling from the sky at the moment, but we don't know uh, what will happen over the next couple of days. But uh, things are definitely not sitting still out there, so uh, keep your eyes and ears open and watch, watchful, spend extra time in prayer if you can afford it and have the energy to do so. Uh, but also take a rest if you need to t- take some time to take a rest, and don't let the devil make you feel guilty about it because, you know, sometimes, you know, like Jesus said, physician, heal thyself, you know. So if you're just, you know, run out of gas and you need a little bit of downtime, the Lord is going to understand. But remember, brush yourself off and get ready because he needs all of our prayers right now. This is this is a mutual work between us and our Father, and he depends on our prayers because it calls down heaven's angels, heaven's power, and, 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 and the glory of God down upon especially the unbelievers that need to have that touch of Jesus in their dreams and visions of the night. Job 33, 14, and 15. So God bless you all. We'll see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m., Lord willing. Thank you all for joining us. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners that the mercy of grace, redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds 
for they shall see my glory, 